Hello, Chompers. Welcome to another episode of the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp, and a podcast where if you listen long enough, the tiny voice in your head that whispers, play for 15 more minutes, is joined by three out-of-shape white men agreeing with it. I hope you enjoyed that bastardized run-on sentence. If this is your first time being here, welcome to the show, and if you have a free moment, hit the subscribe button. It would mean the world to us as we continue to get the Sword Chomp name out there. Now, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Unless you're driving a car, operating heavy machinery, riding a bike, you're in Game 7 of the NBA playoffs and you're about to take the winning shot, you get the picture. If it's safe to do so, close your eyes. You're a kid again, sitting on your couch in your living room, playing one of your favorite video games. You're loving life, and you have no cares in the world except for figuring out how to progress in the game. Each nook and cranny is fascinating to you, opening a world of possibilities. Did I miss something in that corner? You wonder to yourself as you double back to check. You unexpectedly come across a battle and you begin to fight your enemy. After a few quick hits, your character goes down. I'm too low leveled, you exclaim to yourself in frustration. So you take a few hours to grind and get your character to a higher level. You buy better armor. You equip a better weapon. You take a quick pee break because you've been doing the wiggly dance to assuage your bladder screaming at you, The dam's about to burst, you mongrel! After hours of leveling up and better understanding how to maximize your character's potential, you go back to fight the enemy that whipped your derriere before. An intense, grueling battle ensues. And you come out victorious. The clouds part before you, a shining beam of holy light descends upon you, and a chorus of beautiful angels mellifluously sing a most holy song. Now, only 67 more hours of this game to go! Your surprisingly accurate and well-developed brain thinks to itself. Okay, you can open your eyes now. I'm sure most of us have been there and had that memory or something similar happen to us once upon a time. Now, being adults who are responsible and have families, can you imagine this scene taking place as often? My guess is probably not as much as you'd like. The harder the learning curve, the less likely you are to stick with the game. Is that statement true or false? That is the question that we have gathered here today to discuss amongst ourselves and with you, the listener. After we give our initial thoughts, we will read and reflect on the comments from you, the listeners, that you have submitted. Next, we will discuss a whole host of games. Mass Effect Legendary Edition, more Resident Evil Village, Famicom Detective Club, Aerial Knights Never Yield, and Record of Lodos War, Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth. What a fucking mouthful! Also, we will get to some social media polls. They are back and they are looking all right. No, uh, <laughs> it's my first week designing them, so they were probably a little rough. I'll get better as time goes on, but they are back, baby. So, without further ado, let's get into some introductions. 
Today, I am joined by a man who has never seen a game that he didn't want to play, except for Saga Frontier HD Remaster. Coming in straight from New York, we have Rich Meister. Rich, how are you doing? How was your week? Tell us all about it. How you doing? I'm I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Um, uh, I'm surprised they still have podcasts in the Citadel. Why? Why? It's a good format. You don't ditch a good format. Fair point. Um, how's yeah, your week I'm though? He- I'm back. Um, I don't know. Not. Good. It's been a lot. It's been a long week. We're at the end. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to. To right now, when I don't have to think about my day job, uh, I'm gonna head on out to the vineyards tomorrow and relax a little bit. Uh, get a nice day drunk going, you know. There you go. Do you have a an older brother by chance? I don't. Do you have a younger brother by chance? I don't. Can you hire somebody who can play your brother, and you can reenact the scene from Star Trek? Uh, in season four called brothers where you can be either Jean-Luc Picard or his older brother and you two wrestle around in the mud and fight each other. Can you please do that for me? I can't. Cause I just get too sexually aroused. Mm. Well, he's Never your brother. So, uh, off, I don't know what that says. About Broadway you. is hurting right now. You could probably, probably get a good rate. <laughs> probably find somebody willing to do it. <laughs> I think I could get Patrick Stewart with the, you know, the way things are hurting right now. Ah, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna call no to that because he is a national treasure. He is also 80 years old, and uh, I don't want him to die. So please, no. I'm not gonna kill him. I, if anything, he'd probably kill me. Fair point. And then uh, we'd have to <laughs> get a new. A, a oh new no, you'd I have guess. to do the so, show yeah. with Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I don't know how that would work. Getting Patrick Stewart in to talk about video games. So, hey, Pat, what's the last game you played? I can't, I'm not, I was going to try and do an impression of his voice. I Croc can't do it. Croc 2. And it would end up being Bane for some reason. Yeah, exactly. I played Croc 2. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> well, I hope you have fun tomorrow, Rich. I hope that there Thank you. are some good times. I hope that you don't get too fucked up that you piss on a grape bush and, or grape vine and pass out. Grape bush. Great vine and pass out. <laughs> That's what they used to call me, Great Bush, you know? <laughs> yeah. nobody, nobody called me that. I'm going to skirt past that joke and uh, introduce our next <laughs> co-host. Um, <laughs> he, I'm joined by the man who digs deep into the dark web to find ancient cyber rumors leading to a high-speed chase of zeros and ones to gain access to a person with a secret identity that informs him of the most underground of underground indie games. Calling in from Michigan, I am joined by Josh Fowler. Josh, how are you doing? How was your week? Tell us all about it. I know last week you were doing some gardening and some uh, stuff around the house. What have you been up to this week? Um, More gardening and stuff around the house. We got, uh, we got uh, a lot of the tilling and kind of soil prep done last week. And so we were uh, planting this week. Uh, got got almost everything, and we still have a few things that are germinating that aren't quite toughened up enough to go in the ground yet. But uh, it's mostly there. Well, we're mostly there. 
Um, so the, if I've did, learned anything from those TV shows, those reality TV shows that were on when we were teenagers, if you bring your vegetables into prison and yell at them long enough while they're still in their development cycle, it will put them on the right path, probably toughen them up, get them, get them ready for life. Mm. You don't want your tomatoes making a wrong turn somewhere. My tomatoes got really into heroin. I don't know. I just don't want my radishes going down a dark path that they can never recover from. That's all I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. My radishes are looking good, actually. They're good. Uh, those uh, radishes, radishes grow quick, so I should be able to get a few crops of those in. We'll get, uh, what, I think we got another couple weeks before we harvest the first ones, and we'll replant those. I mean, they grow radishes are good, but they never taste as good as they look. Like, they have that beautiful natural coloring, really? but... I mean, they're good, like, here. they're good, but they always look better they than they taste. Jerk. They're just one of those foods. Mm. And they taste good. I like them. I'm just saying that they're more beautiful than anything. No? You guys don't agree? No. I don't, there are some less... of them that aren't as good, but, like, radishes are fairly radishes. diverse. So you can kind of, you can find one that you like. It's kind of. Kind of like tomatoes. I mean, you could find a radish you're sexually attracted to. Yeah, like if if you're going off of fast food right tomatoes, if you're going off fast Not food really. tomatoes, you'd you'd think they're all terrible. So uh, that's that's fair, Josh. Rich, you've made a bunch of sexual jokes early on. I mean, is there some repression I mean, going on? I don't think so. I think I'm okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Like, I see your hands down below your. Camera, I don't know what's right going on here. down there. It's none of your damn business what's going on down there. Those could he's, be fake he's playing hands. playing the show Rich, in one-handed mode. <laughs> yeah, it's a new Beat Saber setting. What's, ah, what's beat that? Beat Saber, there's a joke there. What's that? What's that idiom? Two in the hand is one in the great bush? Or something like that? I don't know that that's it. You gotta try to keep those either. idioms out of your bush. I don't bush. know where I was going. Yeah, the fucking idioms are always in my bushes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking idioms. <laughs> uh, <and> my... <laughs> By the way, uh, I'm Shay here. I'm from Japan, calling in. My week's been good. I wanted to tell you guys a really funny story. I've been itching to tell you guys about it all fucking week, and I, I was I've been saving it. It's been it's like painful. I there have been like six or seven times I go to send you guys a voice message to tell you guys about this. And I'm like, oh, I got to save it. I got to save it for the podcast. So um, as you guys know, I've been playing through Resident Evil a bunch this week. And I was in the classroom teaching uh, my junior high school students. And I look out the window and I see a crow fly by the window. And there's, an, uh, there's a trophy in Resident Evil 8 where if you kill five crows uh, that are airborne, you get a trophy. So I hadn't quite gotten it yeah. yet because... The, the thing is, when you run into them in the, in the world, you want to quickly react and shoot them. And so I'm in the classroom and I see a crow and my instinct was like, where the fuck is my shotgun? I need to shoot this crow. Like legitimately, it's, it's one of those things well, where I didn't. That's the wrong weapon. Mm. Well, actually, it, it's been, it worked just fine for me because I got the trophy. But um, I, I, that, at that moment, truly real life and the video game blurred together. And it's, it's very rare that that ever happens for me, but I was like, where's my shotgun? And I, I was just staring at it. And I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? I'm, where am I right now? And then 
had to recenter myself. Well, while um, you had me on the yeah. brain of it, I don't know if you guys have seen these videos going around. And I, I love when these sorts of videos go out because people are like, oh, what's the mod? Give me the mod link. You know, the, there's a lightsaber in Resident Evil 8 and it's not a mod. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yes. I, I always liked Mercenaries mode back in the day, so I kind of want... It's like the, to, the the melee weapon for the SS ranks. You, you need yeah, you need to get SS rank on everything in mercenaries. Yeah, and then you can go play that game in full on silly mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to get into some of that stuff later. I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that game with you guys because uh, I put a lot more time into it. But my week has been pretty low key. It's been really rainy here. Um, rainy season came a few weeks early, which is um, always interesting. Rainy season here is always rough. Uh, we ended up having to cancel our sports day until next semester for the elementary school children. And uh, I've just been l- kind of laying low this week. And uh, I, had a, I had a humbling moment as I messaged you guys earlier today. Like yesterday, I got a bunch of stuff done um, in my life. Like I'd gotten some necessary shopping done. I got some grocery shopping done, some meal prepping, all this stuff done. And like I was doing some of my my rehabilitation exercises for my shoulder. and um doing some research on some of that stuff and i was like man i'm feeling good i'm feeling probably the best physically i felt in in months today and this was yesterday and i was feeling so good and i woke up this morning um to go pee and i'm going to get myself off the bed and the middle portion of my back just starts fucking aching and i had pulled i i believe it's the the lats um in the middle portion of my back. And I've never pulled that muscle before. I haven't been working out the past week. I took a break. Um, and I've never felt older in my entire life. Cause I just sat there mm-hmm. and I kind of fucking hobbled over ducked under my entrance ways. Cause I'm tall as fuck here in Japan. Apparently I'm not really that tall, but I'm You're tall like, uh, in Japan ladies, and my doorways are, mm-hmm. so I'm sitting there like ducking, like uh, a hole in my back. And it was probably the most humbling experience i've had since being wow. in my 30s good for you i i hope you uh enjoy doing that every three or four months from now on until you die <laughs> i my 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 sincere hope is i get myself in better physical shape to where that uh <laughs> that doesn't happen again <laughs> because <laughs> yeah i um obviously the the listeners you guys can't see this but i'm back to my old setup this week Recently, I'd been sitting down on my couch podcasting, but uh, if I sit too long, my back starts hurting. So I'm standing up doing this episode this week, and uh, it's yeah, interesting. It's uh, pretty toy. It's something mm. <laughs> something I'm gonna have to deal with going forward. But uh, anyways, I'm glad you guys are here this week. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. So I don't really remember how this topic came about i think it was a topic that i was thinking about last year with one of the various games and it's just kind of one of those topics we put uh into our our bank to discuss and it just popped up like i had scheduled a bunch of topics uh for the following weeks and months in case we don't have anything pressing that comes up and when this one came up i was we were like yeah let's do it so it's it's interesting, and for me, the reason why I kind of wanted to discuss this topic is because um, we're all getting older, the three of us, as as I mean, and you know, not me. You li- 
That's since <laughs> I killed that witch. Ever That'll since she got uh, Philosopher's Stone and drank that unicorn <laughs> blood, but um, shout out Harry Potter. <laughs> but anyways, um, no, I I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and there there's one game that recently came to mind when I was thinking about this topic, um, of if if a game has a harder learning curve, am I am I thrust off of it quicker? Sekiro was one of those games where I really enjoyed my time with it. And um, I, I really wanted to get further into it, but it has a really high learning curve. I mean, you need to understand everything that's going on in that game. And for me, where I'm at, where we want to play not necessarily as many games as we possibly can, but we want to make sure we're getting a variety in there that I felt like I couldn't afford the time and B, it would dig into like responsibilities of my normal life to try and get uh, talented enough to be able to play that game effectively. So I kind of bounced off of it. However, there are other games like uh, Cuphead. Uh, when Josh and I sat down and 100%ed that game on Expert, that we took the time despite some of the technical issues that game was having at the time even to sit down and 100% that game. So for me, you know, it's, it's a really compelling question, you know? So I want to throw it first to you, Josh. Um, you you are kind of, uh, known here at Sorechomp as being the guy who plays, uh, games that consistently challenge him and you recommend them to other people so they can challenge themselves. Um, so I'm curious to kind of get your initial thoughts on this topic. Um, yeah, yeah. Difficulty is a weird thing because, like, I really enjoy being challenged. But, like, there needs to be, like, a, a reason that kind of ties that experience into the narrative or the, just the feeling of the game as a whole for that to really do something for me. Um, like, I can get frustrated if I'm trying to get through a game and get stuck at something that just doesn't feel like it's earned. Um, that just bugs the hell out of me. Um, there were a couple puzzles in, like, I absolutely loved playing Moon last year, but there were a couple puzzles that were just a matter of use the right item with some person randomly that is it's not like there's not really anything signposting it other than just getting the idea to go do it. Um, and like that sort of thing kind of bugs me. Not that's like difficulty, difficulty, but it's the same sort of like, you know, not getting all the systems, um, and missing something because of it. Um, yeah, I feel that I feel like that's a little less about the learning curve though and more about the design but, of the game itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, um I don't know. Like it has to be something I'm into. It's I I I I have my moods with it sometimes. Um for for example, um some of the games with the longest learning curves as far as mastering them are fighting games, and that's just not my thing. Um, so, like, they're, they're really... Even even with games 
that are difficult, like there needs to be something else to pull me through it as well. Is kind of what I was kind of aiming that, at there. That kind of lines up, that specific example kind of lines up with who you are as a person. I know you're not the biggest sports guy. And I've always felt like fighting games are, in essence, a kind of sports game in some ways where basically you you understand the basics, like the basic moves, and that gets you, like that's the entrance into those games. And then mm-hmm. you start breaking down the moves that you can do. And that's kind of like, if I were to use this as a metaphor towards, uh, basketball as a metaphor towards fighting games, you learn all these offensive moves that you can do. You can do the, you know, the shoot fade away. You can do the drive. You can do the different dribbling moves, all sorts of stuff. Like you learn Throw the different offensive ball. moves mm-hmm. that you have, right? And then where, it, where you really start taking um, notice of your skills growing in a fighting game or in um, basketball is your defense. And that's mm-hmm. not only just how you stop somebody, but it's how you predict. Like you're predicting ahead of time what someone's going to do and what you can do to stop it or what you can do to get past it. And that's, that's kind of like the same mentality with sports fighting games and sports have kind of a similar mentality there. And you being not the biggest sports guy in the world, I don't really think that's your cup of tea. Yeah. I think part of it is the, like, I like difficult games, but I like them to be rewarding for they to still respect your time. Even if they're asking a ton out of you to like reward you, in step with that um like the fighting games that i like are the ones that are they still have a lot of those same elements as far as you know block attack grapple kind of you know that's what all fighting games basically are in the first place um but just you know exploded out to a million more steps for in my opinion no reason most of the time um, which is why stuff like Smash Brothers, I really appreciate because, you know, all the moves go the direction that you're pointing with an attack. It just makes things easier to understand when you do that much. And it's, it's one less thing for you to memorize. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. Smash is a great, a great example because it's like, to me, that is in the fighting, like if we're talking sports. Uh, in terms of fighting games, that's the equivalent of like you going over to someone's house for a barbecue and they have a little badminton um, set up in the backyard and you're holding a, a beer in one hand and you're just lazily kind of just hitting the little uh, birdie or shuttlecock back and forth, just having yeah. fun with each other. That's kind of the equivalent of that there. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Like there's a matter of it being like there's still strategy there. It's still like a an in-depth game, but it's forgiving. It's it's the di- it's the difference between badminton and tennis. Like tennis, you fuck up, it goes completely over the fence in the back. Like it's for some reason, <laughs> I thought you were gonna like just blend the comparison. Be like, it's the difference between badminton and street fighter. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> but but you know you know like that same. You're doing basically the same actions, but it's way more forgiving in the extremes that you're capable of. You know, either excelling in. Or completely fucking up. Mm-hmm. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. Rich, um, like, 
in terms of the topic, what are your first impressions? How do you kind of feel about this in general? Um, I think to some degree, I mirror a lot of Josh, what Josh was saying is like my main extent of it is it comes down to less of like pure difficulty and like, this is hard to learn and more so how that is fleshed out. Like it can take you a really long time to overcome something and really learn a system. But as long as you find, you are consistently feel like you're making progress and find that progress rewarding. And more importantly to me, as I get older, I feel like the game is respecting my time and the time I'm putting in. Then I'm more so okay with that. Like the time I would find myself bouncing off is if I'm getting, uh, I'm getting with a game where it's kicking my ass. You know, I've been sitting here playing for an hour for two hours and I just feel like I'm banging my head against this thing and getting nowhere. I'm not learning I, I, and you know, sometimes that's human error. Sometimes that's me, you know, not meshing with something, but as long as I, I feel that sense of some kind of incremental progress or if you feel that growth and that growth feels rewarding enough, that's usually enough. Like learning can be a huge part of the game. That's like half the appeal of the whole like roguelike genre, right? Mm-hmm. is like I'm getting a little bit better at this each time and I'm getting a little bit further and it's this very minute incremental success that keeps you on the hook and depending on it's very dependent on the medium and how it's fleshing itself out how the game is is feeding you both story content gameplay content there are ways to make that worth your time and there are ways where you walk away feeling nothing mhm yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I I have two examples kind of rattling in my head right now. Um cuz I I share a lot of the initial uh thoughts that you guys do as well. Um like I said and we'll talk about this a little bit in a lot more detail a little bit later, but I've been going through Resident Evil Village a few times. I'm on my third playthrough right now and I'm on the hardest difficulty which I believe is called the Village of Shadows difficulty, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. And that very well could just be a difficulty mode where it's like throw everything that we have at you make it as hard as possible make the enemies even more bullet spongy and just like get good you know you know and that's kind of how difficulty used to work in the past and i think turning a dial but now um considering what uh what capcom did with this game that basically you if you fully kit out weapons you can uh, buy unlimited ammo and if you do it for the right guns the the challenge is still there it still feels difficult but at the same time you are also you have the opportunity to level yourself up enough to meet that challenge and you feel like it's equal mm-hmm. so you both are growing together and i think that's such a rewarding way to do that because even though the that there's more strategy involved with a tougher difficulty and you have to think about things a little bit more at the same time you don't feel like well i just did all the stuff i beat this game and now i'm back to square one when i've learned granted you've learned stuff and you have your experience and your knowledge but you're still capped at the end of the day like i have this knowledge i can't do anything or i have this experience i can't do anything with yeah. it because the game's hard capping me at this particular point no if the game gives you that yeah. opportunity then it's up to you to do with it what you can and what you've learned. There's a... And I think that's a really good system. And I think about something that yeah. I played last year, which is Crash Bandicoot 4, 
um, It's About Time, where one of the trophies, because I wanted to 100% that game because I really, really love Crash Bandicoot and I really love that game. It's a very difficult game. It's the, the hardest one out of the, all the Crash Bandicoots. And one of the trophies is for you to get uh, platinum relics or gold relics. I can't remember which one it was on most of the of the levels. And the thing is, you have to do this weird uh, triple jumps maneuver. And it's incredibly, incredibly difficult to get that timing. And watching um, and listening to what other uh, people who have done, who have completed the game, they said it physically hurt their hand to do that trophy. And it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's cool that there's a hard learning curve there. And I appreciate the feeling of reward after you complete it. But to for a game to make you like physically hurt yourself to try and succeed in the learning curve is just, you know, that's, that's not fun. And, um, for everything I've watched and listened to, they've people who have gotten that, uh, trophy have said it wasn't worth it kind of thing, you know? And that's, that's one of those things that it's kind of speaking to your guys's point of honoring our time when it comes to a learning curve. And, you can even look at something like some of the the Souls games. I think those games largely do honor your time. Not always, but most of the time they do a really good job of honoring your yeah. time. And it's a matter of if it sticks with you um, or it doesn't. I think, I think they've gotten better at that, honestly. Except for Dark Souls 2, which is just a bad game the entire time. It's yeah. crazy. Well, I mean, even Demon Souls, I've noticed this as well, where they do a whole lot more of the, well, do, do you have the right, you know, equipment or weapon for this particular yeah. fight. And if you don't, the answer is not learn the fight a little better. The answer is get fucked to go grind out a bunch of crap to get a thing. Yeah. It, like it's, it's kind of, it, it does it less well than some of the others because a, a few of the systems they have in place are just not, they're not friendly towards, um, love. Like they're 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 the sort of we've mentioned this before. It's a different sort of thing, but they're the sort of systems that punish you if you're doing poorly, and reward you if you're doing well. Which sounds great on paper. Whenever you think about it, oh, you should get rewarded for doing well. But they reward you with easier difficulty, which well, yeah, the thing is not something you want to be rewarded, that, Josh. With. Yeah, the thing too about that whole punishment section is like, yeah, I'm spending thirty to sixty dollars to get punished. And I, I get nothing to show for it. Whereas if I pay a some people pay a lot more for that. You know, a couple hundred dollars <laughs> to punish me. I, I have some bruises and scars to show my friends and family afterwards, and I have mm-hmm. one hell of a memory to take home with me. And it's a lot of questions to answer at a barbecue. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun, Rich. <laughs> what did you get that bruise from? Well, let me tell you a story. I don't, again, I, I started to do a Bane thing. That I don't know why this... Let this me tell you a story, Batman. Uh, there's a... Wrong villain. Oddly enough, a game that I was really high on when we first talked about it earlier in the year. Um, but Loop Hero, I think, does both of these things. It does it extremely well, and then it does it very poorly. Um, because the game is kind of split into runs that you can do. like when you first get it, you can go up to the first boss. And then the second one is skipping that section and then just to the second boss. 
And then the third one is just a third boss. And then the fourth one is all the three bosses in a row and the final boss. Um, and the way the game is balanced, there's a ton of just learning how the systems work and how placing certain tiles in different areas will have special effects and stuff and, and like how to, how to maximize your loadout with different equipment that you use. Right. There's a ton of information that you get just slowly by learning um, that you're not really gaining overall power levels that much through the just the game progression through those first three runs and then you get to the final one and like you understand how most of it works like there's still you know an element of if you've not mastered everything kind of figuring it out but the game gets to a point where it's just like okay grind out the stuff you need okay you need stat you can't win the game without more stat gotta raise mm-hmm. stat um and it's just frustrating like okay i i got here without leveling up almost anything and then this final run is impossible without i maximizing some other stuff and it's just like it's just a matter of put time in grind crap out and it's not the same challenge that i was even getting earlier in the game which is the frustrating thing about it. At odds with, like, the thing you liked about the game in the first place. Yeah, it's a completely different thing. Like, I understand how the systems work, and I know how I could maximize a build. It's it's almost like the end game in Diablo. I love going through Diablo. It's a really fun game. The gearing system is neat. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do with builds. End game in Diablo fucking sucks. And I know people like it, but it's just a matter of the same thing. Just grinding out loot until you get the exact drop with the stat spread that you want. Like, okay, this, this particular build, I need crit chance. Like, that's, that's the way for the rotation to end up working well. Everything I have has to have the most crit chance. It's, it's the same sort of thing where... It, I, I'm just not interested in that, because that's a matter of grunt, putting the time in just to put the time in, instead of learning yeah. something while I'm doing it. And... I- I feel like some of that is, um, some of that is, uh, just poor design at the end of the day of what it's trying to do. And some of that is the learning curve as well. I think it's a little bit of both kind of in that example. And yeah, I, I completely understand that that can be incredibly frustrating when you, when you have to grind and then it no longer becomes about the learning curve itself and it becomes more about, Hey, like, and that's it, it, it goes out of the learning curve into something completely different, basically. And that can be frustrating because it's like, yeah, I have all these experiences and this knowledge. And it's kind of what I was talking about earlier, but I can't do anything with it because you've kept mm-hmm. me at that point. And that, I mean, that can be frustrating, but also that can kind of be a parallel to real life, you know? Um, I'm sorry I keep bringing up basketball, but. <laughs> the NBA playoffs just started today. So it's kind of on my mind right now, but you know, being in my thirties right now, I think I have more basketball knowledge now than I've ever had in my entire life. Um, it's something that I've been researching um, because I play in an international club here um, and it's a for fun club. It's nothing like serious, but I, I play in a club here. And so I want to do, do well. I want to get better. I want to be like, if I'm on a team, I if I have to be the guy, I can be the guy. 
generally, and I want to improve my skills so I can be better at that. And I want to play on different kinds of teams and different kinds of clubs and stuff. Yeah. So I, I research, I do the knowledge and I play enough to where I have the knowledge and the experience. But if my body isn't in good shape, I, none of that, that experience and that knowledge doesn't mean shit at the end of the day. Right. Like I can't do anything with that because my body physically isn't capable. So if I like, as you guys know, my shoulder is hurt right now. I'm not shooting. I haven't been shooting very well the past few months. So I may have the knowledge and the experience to do what I need to do, but my body can't perform because I'm not healthy. And that's how I kind of think about it in a video game as well. And it sucks, but that's, I mean, I think that's what kind of sucks is because it reminds us of our own mortality and our lack of skills. And also it's like, well, I can't wait to die. I mean, like we kind (laughs) of, not exactly, but like, so one thing that Loop Hero does well is that it has a really cool risk reward system where if you go until you die, you lose two thirds of your stuff that you got on a run. So it makes the grinding slower if you don't know when it's time to stop. Um, however, I think the best way to learn the game is to limit test. It's to push yourself, even though if you think you're going to die here, it's to keep, just keep to going and go anyway and see if there's something you can learn even though you die, which is yeah. why I really enjoyed the beginning of it because it's like I, I think I left instead of going until I died like once or twice up through those first three things because I was so much of the game is about learning. You're just you make so much more progress by understanding how the systems work that the right. limit testing is the best way to learn that. And you hit a point where there's not really much of anything left to learn by doing that and it's just about grinding it out and like you need the knowledge to yeah, know yeah. when and you get to that yeah, point I, that, that once you're to in, that point in, it's just it's a completely different sort of a challenge um right and that just that wasn't satisfying to me yeah even, even though i think they fun. did a really good job of handling that transition it still was just not something i enjoyed as much yeah, yeah, I got that. I got that. I think, and that kind of leads me to one thing that I was thinking about with this topic is that I think that you can have a hard, a really hard learning curve if you onboard people correctly. And one of the, one of the prime examples I think of when I think of onboarding somebody onto what the learning curve is going to be is Super Meat Boy and even Super Meat Boy Forever. Um, even that game did a really good job of it where... Mm-hmm. Uh, super, and I'm going to talk about Super Meat Boy primarily, is that uh, the, fir- the whole first world is basically uh, each level is kind of imparting what you're going to experience in some capacity throughout the rest of the game. And it has little quick, t- very quick tutorials to kind of explain things. The very first level is a very easy, you just jump up to the platform and it's press press the A button on your Xbox controller or whatever controller you're using. I believe that'd be the X button on the PlayStation or whatever keyboard command it would be for you. And that's the, that's the whole level. And then the next level is, um, if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a while since I played that game, it's teaching you how to, uh, to run to one side of the level and then jump 
up to another yeah, like platform. The, and then the third level is teaching you how to actually hold down the run button like you would in a Mario to leap further mm-hmm. over a chasm. And then the next one is teaching you how to wall jump. And it's imparting all this knowledge to you early on. And it's not so difficult at the beginning. But then when you get to the end, you're doing some crazy, crazy things. But you've been onboarded so well to that learning curve that it doesn't feel insurmountable. Yeah, it's going to piss you off because you have to be really good and you have to be able to properly apply all but it's that all about that learned. ramp up but that's up to you to do that that's not up to the game because the game onboarded you so well it gives you the tools to succeed and then let's let you lose it and, and mm-hmm. it's all about that ramp up like that that is what makes makes um those things land and again feel like they are properly respecting your time and especially games like super meat boy are so good at that like let me just do this one more, one more try, one more try scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on top of that, it it doesn't feel like it's gating you from getting more experience either. Like, and 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 inevitably, RPGs are kind of that way because they so much more mirror real life that it it may feel like it's not respecting your time, but it's more trying to be real life situation just like real life (laughs) right exactly but something like like a meat boy or something else in that vein where even wargroove or into the breach you know those kind of games that um are onboarding you to this the the higher learning curve of some of those games they are doing such a good job of it and they're honoring your time as well even hades would be another great example of that i believe where they they yeah. are respecting your time. It's a difficult game, but they're giving you the tools early on to learn. And then that's up to you to learn how to, or it's up to you to figure out how to apply those. And it's not gating you at the end of the day. And that's why I feel like for some people, RPGs are a great thing. And for other people, it's like, I don't have the time to devote to this because it's like, it's not necessarily not honoring your time. It's just because it's trying to be so lifelike that it also acknowledges that it's making a very truncated version of what real life is. And there are going to be those moments where you can't. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, Figure you can't like you, you have the learning curve figured out, but something else is holding you back. And that's something that's, you know, under your control, but it has nothing to do with the learning curve. Yeah. I think that's something that like, even, even games that do have grinding need to understand. Like some games, some games have better grinds than others. Some of them, it's just a matter of grinding out levels. Um, other games, like, the, the leveling system in 8 is completely broken, but because of that, knowing how it works and what to grind is way more important than just grinding. And so it kind of rewards you for understanding how it is completely broken, in a way. It sure does. Yeah. Um, that can which even, I think they did even, by accident in eight realized. Oh, I don't think any of that was on purpose. <laughs> well, and well, and point I'm getting to, and then in nine it's on purpose because yeah. they bring back a lot of the learning abilities and job system type stuff. It's not a job system, but it's a lot of the stuff that they used that. in five and six, kind of refined into a really. It's a good leveling system in nine. It like. I, I, battles in nine like always stick out to me it's it's like that you bring it up because again like every character is like distilled into this perfect form of like he he is the 
like th this particular character is an epitome of this job and leveling them up gives you a smart way to succeed and you know getting abilities through equipables and stuff like that mm -hmm. just that game is more than just a grind because of the way you can tweak the abilities you're learning and stuff and yeah and then swapping around equipment to make sure you're efficiently learning stuff and yeah not even just picking the best equipment at any time because you want to make sure you're learning no, abilities it's from it. sitting it's, with stuff in your inventory going well i haven't learned blue tide yet <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's a really satisfying way to put in that time because it's you're you're rewarded for thinking about it not just kind of being there hitting the optimize button yeah yeah right let's get in some uh listener comments while we're here and if you are interested in having your voice heard commenting so we can reflect on the on the show first off we'd love to have those comments so if you ever want to head over to the sword chomp instagram um at sword chomp on every thursday where the topic will be posted and uh please leave your beautiful comments so first comment is from kurtman 2k20 this is the reason i kind of bounced off breath of the wild but gonna try and go back to it now that there are detailed walkthroughs because i was stuck in the snow uh, without snow clothing and just didn't know where to go so mm -hmm. i rage quit mind you i've loved mostly all legend of zelda games as the first game as a kid, I beat by myself without a game genie was linked to the past. When my dad used to game, he loved the first three and then life and working a lot. Anyways, we bonded over the series. And hmm. I think that's kind of like a, a prime example where it's not necessarily... I, I, I know that's such a controversial thing with that game, the, the, the weapons breaking um, and you having to get new weapons and some other things in there. And for some people, great that, that learning curve is going to feel steep and it's going to feel unfair and it's going to feel like it's not honoring your time. And then for other people, they're going to be like, oh, that's fine. I mean, that's just that's a part of the game, you know, and I think it's it's going to kind of be subjective to some degree. I think there are some there's some basic principles we could apply to all games saying like this clearly honors your time and this clearly doesn't honor your time. And I feel like. Breath of the Wild is probably one of those that falls in that vast gray area of where for some people they're going to agree and yeah. some people they're going to disagree. Yeah, that was the strangest game because I feel like some some parts like they I feel like they kind of chose their battles in the original version that it released as and it uh I I honestly don't think it's as quite it's quite as good as the the hard mode which like that sounds oh that, that sounds is, crazy. That, yeah, like, no, I, I'm kind of with you. Like it's a different game, and it's I I loved going back to it to play it that way. Um, yeah, like it it brings the survival elements to the entire game, whereas like the combat felt strangely excluded in the original. Like oh, you just, you'll always have damage to kill ways. everything. Um, but and, for me it was, and I won't harp on this game forever. But like it was just even the basic mode like all the stuff it's like i don't understand how this works like i love that stuff and i know that it can be time consuming but for me it was always like it's such a game about discovery to me yeah and about so much error. to learn and they tell you very little very little that is that is definitely a game that just kind of it rewards it was just you intuitive enough for forever yeah. like there's there's always something new to learn on that like it's it's insane like i love watching you know people 
just completely Make breaking crazy the shit happen. Yeah, like, like just insane just stuff. But think like it, it's a game where there's whole ideas and times of like taking out larger enemies by like throwing metal objects at them during a lightning storm so they get struck by lightning. Like, yeah, yeah, I could talk about that That's, for hours. Yeah, yeah, the what little I played that game of that game, I I could see why people would be frustrated because an idiot like me was having a hard time figuring some stuff out at the beginning. So I could understand. I'm not calling other people who can't figure it out idiots. I'm saying that, like, someone who struggles no, 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 no. with some of those It sounds things like that's like what you're saying. <laughs> well, you no, know No, but what, there Rich? are spots like that. Do you take offense to that? Throughout. No, where not an idiot. It's just, like, they have not specific challenges that are, like you're saying, like he got to an, you know, a snow area and didn't know how to deal with it. Um, you can just do everything else, and eventually you'll unlock like cold weather clothing you'll you'll find a way to get there regardless i think or you can kind of bullheadedly push through it and figure out other systems that work yeah um such as i mean obviously a fire is going to keep you warm so you could just set things on there's fire also near you food or, items that'll give you cold resistance temporarily yeah like there's and, there's so many different approaches to solving the same problem some of which are are not something like you're never told. Are about less them. obvious than others. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the obvious one there is. I'm assuming they're talking about that section with the snowy mountain towards the beginning, where there's a few different ways to tackle it. You can like bake a a pie that'll warm you up for a while. You can get a torch and walk up there with that. There's a mm-hmm. spot where you can find a um a thicker tunic to put on that'll give you some cold resistance. Like, there's they lay out a few different ways for you to tackle it, but none of them are jumping out at you like you you got it's a game you're supposed to poke at and i i understand why that would be unappealing it's the thing i absolutely adore about it Mm -hmm. well if only epona's balls shrunk in the snow like other horses in other video games (laughs) (laughs) or better yet there's a tutorial on epona's shrunken balls i know you actually have to go into the snow and the tutorial becomes visible on epona's scrotum Scrote. Nobody's here for that? Just me? Oh. Scrote. Oh. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for leaving me hanging twice this podcast. Reverend Got you Rock and Roll hanging says, is low, though. Not with it being this <laughs> cold. Good one, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. See, there's. I was setting someone up. I knew it. As uh, Anyways, Reverend Rock and Roll says, as someone who does not have a whole lot of time to game usually, I am defeated by a steep learning curve. I get a couple hours a week. I need something I can pick up, get into, and actually enjoy. Not want to burn and pillage out of frustration. Easy mode all day. And obviously that's something totally. that I think we've kind of discussed here and there about difficulty and whatnot. I, yeah, I think easy mode is great for that, where if something mm-hmm. has a steep learning curve, that you can still get into the game and feel like you're a part of the, the conversation. Um, or just because you're in, you're enjoying kind of the world building that's happening there, and I I really like the acknowledgement that you know we're we're all getting older. The the amount of time we have to actually bust into a game and try and figure it all out is honestly getting shorter and shorter, and it's going to continue to get shorter over time unless we become three um, super rich gentlemen who just do this as a full time kind of thing. And um, I don't see. Well, that I don't happening. think. I don't think if we were doing this, I don't think we'd be super rich if we were doing this as a full time thing. Uh, right. Very medium right, money. Right. Exactly. Right. So, 
Um, no, I, I, I think that's such a big thing for learning curve as well is time and responsibility. And that kind of goes hand in hand with honoring your time. I mean, we, we all have our daily responsibilities and everything else. And to sit down and try and learn something that is steep is difficult. And that's why for me, Hades was kind of a blessing in disguise because that does have a steep learning curve. If I wasn't able to get it on my switch, I would have fell off that game so quickly. I really would have just because for me, I don't have the time to sit down and learn that for, for a few hours every day or every week. Um, the, the amount of time required unless it was portable. And because I was able to play it on the train that I was able to eventually get onboarded onto that game and get as obsessed as I was. Um, I think that's part of the reason why the yeah. switch is so magnificent is because if you have some kind of, um, commute, um, like a lot of us do in some way, shape, or form, work to where you're able to portably play that game. The Switch is great for that. It opens up complete new opportunities to sit down and be like, hey, let me try and crack this for the next 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Totally. Cool. All right. Next comment that was left was by Mr. JSZ Yarto, Mr. Jeffrey, said, Exapunks. It's an amazing programming game. It's not easy in the slightest, just like mm-hmm. all Zach's, Zachtronics games. But man, oh, yeah. is it fun. And when he sent that, he sent along a message as well because he knew, the, the great lad that he is, that I would have no fucking idea what a Zachtronics game is. And um, yeah, Jeffrey and I were talking about this uh just the other day, actually, because I, I never really gotten into the Zachtronics game, but he's very much convinced uh, me that they would 100% be my jam. Yeah. And I'm going to be taking a look, see now, because he's not the only person to have mentioned these games to me in the past. Yeah. And yeah, uh, no, um, they seem like my thing. Magnum Opus. Go with that one. That is, I think, the most elegantly designed um, version of this. They're all essentially programming games. Like, not, not as such. They're not their own language. Well, there's, there's a couple of them that are literally are. That are they're, they are programming on a machine level. Um, like, you're, you're using, like, obscure, made-up, um, you know, Soviet, you know, microprocessors to, to program crap on Yeah. For, for some of his games. But, like, other ones, it's, they're, they're about the idea of programming and, and what would that mean given these other things. Like, I think the the most in depth and or not the most in depth, but like at the time the most in depth and like kind of astounding one that came up was Space Cam, because um, that one's about making machines that will fabricate molecules that you need for for different things on a, on a just normal stuff different planet. Uh, but you're essentially you're building machines that will do this, um, um, whereas Space Chem uh, is like this, you know, really super tough, um, you know, sci-fi setting sort of thing. Magnum Opus is basically the same thing, but it's like the setting is alchemy. You're like, you know, steampunk alchemists doing essentially the same thing, but it's it's more but simplified it's because of that. Um yeah, I think I think that would be the one. If you're if you're curious about Zachtronics games, I'd I'd go with Magnum Opus first. Um, okay. 
Yeah, or, or possibly I'll, Eliza, but that one's completely different. It's its own thing. It, that one's just a narrative game that they happen to make, and it's really good. Eliza's great, um, but but not not really the same thing at all. Um, you know what's funny? That whole explanation I heard. I don't have time. I don't have time. What the fuck? Too in depth. I don't have time. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault at all. Like it's a, thank you for that explanation. It's a really good explanation, but the whole time I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> like just too much of a time yeah. sink, you know? And I like, it sounds intriguing though, is the thing. If I had more time in the world. Yeah. And yeah, they're, I, I they're, would be interested in trying them out, but yeah, Magnum Opus is kind of the fourth game. That's doing a similar take of like, making machines and writing the program for them to get them to, you know, assemble more or less molecules. Again, this is alchemy, so they're not doing like real things. It's it's, you know, not that we have a machinery that can assemble molecules, but like they're just it's it's, you know, it's more abstracted. It's uh just building a transmutation engine. Yeah, I think they do a better job of 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 that onboarding because they'd done it so many times at that point and they understood how to uh, how to get those ideas across um, a lot right. better in that one. Uh, right. I have to send you some gifts yeah. of that because another yeah. cool thing that one did is whenever you solved one of them, you could save a gif of your machine operating. Um, <laughs> That's and because there's cool. essentially infinite ways that you could accomplish this thing, you've got your little gif of a machine that makes this thing. And there are going to be just so many ridiculous ways you could do it that it's kind of neat to compare with your friends. Like, how did how did you accomplish this thing? Um, I was looking at Exapunks for a little bit because I just love the aesthetic of that one, mm-hmm. the sort of cyberpunk one where you, the device you're programming on literally looks like a fucking Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys know this? I, I heard this the other day, that um, GIF commenting is considered by the younger generations now as, like, being old so if someone's like i mean if hey you're congratulations or younger i don't know i don't know the age bracket I, i'm pretty sure it's gen z but that broke my fucking heart because i, I always know, man. love sending kids don't talk to me and i was like god damn i guess i'm old which i'm fine so, with i don't what is shit. what is like, with this six second with tiktok with no audio <laughs> we tiktok comment mm-hmm. you're just an old man mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking about i mean I, it's it's weird. Like I I'm kind of in this in this space right now, as we all kind of the three of us kind of are. Less so you, Rich, um, but still you is where I'm kind of in between getting old and still staying young. I'm more mm. I'm more on the other uh, on You're the side young, of being younger older, millennial. I was, there. I was listening to Blink 182 the other day, and I was like, these guys oh. got to be in their fifties. So very no, young. They're, they're 45, and um, I was thinking about their <laughs> albums. In accordance with the years that they were released, and I was like, "Fuck, I'm older than I thought I was." Because like, uh-huh. I, I was uh, what album was I listening to? Take off your pants and jacket. And that album came out in 2001. I was like, those guys had to have been like in their 30s writing that song. No, they're like 25, 26. And I was like, what the fuck have I done with my life? And I'm 31. <laughs> and I, was, I was having this mini existential crisis for like an hour or two. If you want to feel old in terms of what like would register as a joke that for shows clearly aimed at our generation, the plot of I believe the second episode of Hulu's Modoc is about Modoc using a time machine to go back in time to see a third eye blind concert he missed. 
That's like that's well, you uh, know what? They're they're gonna like, be. It's like the recent Simpsons episode. An updated where... version of they'd wish I would step back from that ledge after hearing that news. They they do. It's in the show. Did you watch the episode? No, no, but <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, no, no, like that's it's bizarre. What how these like time doesn't exist anymore in popular culture, but like the new Simpsons episodes where Homer oh, flashes the, Homer, back and instead of flashing back to the, to the 70s, 90s. he flashes back to the 90s, 90s when he was a teenager. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? You were a 35-year-old man in the 90s, Homer. Yeah, they, they have to shift the timeline. Yeah. I, I, it's funny, actually, you mentioned that because I was going to say, we're all hitting that point where we're hitting that like Abe Simpson moment of him like, I used to be with it and then mm-hmm. they changed what and it was. What, with, what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was... Uh, uh-huh. I was watching this interview, and I know this guy's. This is gonna make you guys groan a little bit, but I was playing the final boss on Resident Evil Village yesterday, and I I was watching some interviews on YouTube, and I was watching one with the Counting Counting Crows lead singer on Joe Rogan, and he was talking about how like the controversy of his of Counting Crows becoming popular and whatnot, and. I I like when was that going to be go over like our young listeners heads, but uh, for the older generations, I I guess, because we're starting to get to that generation of being older. I always remember the lead singer as the guy with dreads in the Mr. Jones music video. Right. You guys remember that music video? Vaguely. Vaguely. Anyways. So I always remember him as that. And like watching the interview, the dude's in his fifties and he's, he looks his age, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, like my my mental image was just shattered and that's happening so much more in my 30s like i remember this guy looking like this holy fuck that guy looks his age now which is yeah. fine yeah oh, no I remember no her. she if, was such a babe oh she's had children she has wrinkle lines and that's perfectly okay so do i i mean not have children but i have wrinkle lines and i was like it's dude, not children that the, the courts can prove are yours yeah no <laughs> no watching stranger things and winona ryder being the mom was yeah. just the biggest hit to my ego I've I've had in my entire adult life. Like what? Like she's yeah. she's that the w- manic pixie dream girl. Like she doesn't get cast at the as the mom and she's cast as the mom now. That one didn't bother me as much because she was uh Spock's mom in the 2009 Star Trek movie. So I was like, "Yeah, that's okay." I could see her being the mom. But then when Sean Astin shows up on the screen and he's kind of chubby and he's not looking that young, cheerful Samwise Gamgee face, then then that the image got shattered for me because I loved Lord yeah. of the Rings. And so I my loved brain Goonies broke and I was like, Rudy, Rudy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, uh, tangent aside of us getting older, and, you know, that's. That's just the type of content you get here when you are talking to three guys who are a little bit out of touch and are only going to get more out of touch. Anyways, Tawny S. left a comment for us. <laughs> We're dying. Uh, Tawny S. left a comment for me, and this kind of, I should have read this with uh, the Rev's comment. That's my fault. For me, that statement rings very true. I have a limited amount of time during a week. So if there's a huge learning curve, the game has to be extremely good for me to stick with it. And I can understand that completely. I don't think there's much more that needs to be said about that. Hmm. Uh, well, I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly. Aaron WYN said, Doom Eternal 2, but I beat it in the end, and I'm usually terrible at games like that. And I think he was referencing the four pictures that I had posted originally uh, mm. on Instagram for this topic, which were Cuphead, Dark Souls, Super Meat Boy, 
and the Aladdin video game from the Sega Genesis SNES era um, as four mm. of those games that have kind of a higher learning curve. Less so Aladdin. Aladdin's more just about kicking your dick in kind of thing. Bad design. Yeah, that. Uh, the Not Black the Lotus Super said Nintendo it depends version. on the game. Look at EVE Online. That's a mountain of a learning curve. And yet, the biggest mm-hmm. video game news usually comes from a battle in that game that costs players millions of in real life dollars with conversion. If you invest the time into a game, especially one that is open-ended, I feel it's more worth it. Now, I don't know much about EVE Online, so I, I, you know, I can't really speak to that game itself. But what I can speak to is, like, if there are real-life implications, then, yeah, if you can conquer a learning curve, it's incredibly rewarding. Whether you're making money in something like back when the uh, Diablo 3 had the marketplace and if you found... Uh, if if you got good enough of the game and you started finding rare items that you could sell them and make money. Or one thing I, I will forever be thankful for is Rock Band, where it had a, kind of a steep learning curve to bang on those plastic drums. But if you got good enough, it was a gateway to you playing the actual drums. And that's how it was for me. I play actual yeah. drums. Or if you play the guitar, it's I a play... gateway to playing air guitar. <laughs> you're, you're moving your hands like... Like the one fret, the one f- or the one uh, string, mm-hmm. because you're you're yeah. expecting the four. Or five you're a master of the of the it. one string guitar. Yeah, I would fucking rock that one string <laughs> guitar if it had five frets. But no, um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. If it has some real world implications and some positive real world implications, I absolutely think it can be worth overcoming a yeah. steep learning curve. Yeah, I mean that's something that I I kind of from other angles talked about it but playing wow back in the day um rating at a high level is a massive commitment to learning how all the systems in the game work raid night baby um yeah yeah just because there's so much you have to master in order to accomplish that at a at a high level um like I've mentioned before how I used to be part of like the theory crafting communities who were figuring out the new stuff that everyone else is learning um, as far as like rotations and stuff, just testing things out and kind of figuring out what optimal was because there's just, there's so much going on in there. Just that like, cracking the meta, yeah. Yeah, like this, just understanding how the systems work is its own sort of job. Um, and that's just it's not satisfying just on its own. Like it's, it's, it's fun because you're part of the community figuring that stuff out. And it's also fun because like the raid you're, you know, trying all this stuff out in is with your friends. You're like, you've got other stuff going on. It's, it's rewarding, not just to you, but to other people. Yeah. That, that's what, that's had what makes those games so appealing is especially, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny as I find things like, wow, like that. And those sort of learning curves, um, more appealing. And I, lately and i think the pandemic can even speak to that because for a lot of people games like that during the past you know year and a half two years have been your social time with friends you don't really get to see anymore it's Mm -hmm. like you know once a week we sit down and we play wow together we play ff14 together we play destiny we play whatever fucking game it is you're playing and that is like the the replacement for being able to go sit down and have a drink at a bar go out to dinner together or something yeah 
Yeah! Drinking! Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. Anyways, uh, the last comment I wanted to read is from Al J. Vicario, or Vicario probably is how it's pronounced. Absolutely, they're worth it. Nowadays, kids who play don't have much puzzle-solving skills or perseverance. My little brother just gives up on a game at the slightest resistance or when something just isn't handed to him and he has to work for it. It breaks my heart that he doesn't ever experience the satisfaction of completing an ultra-difficult game without the help of YouTube or getting a sick piece of loot he has to grind months for. So maybe they're not as popular, maybe they're more niche now, but they're absolutely important to keep around. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting take because I'm sure some other people feel similarly in that, in that mindset of, I feel like um, the younger generations kind of take for granted the, 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 what perseverance can do in a game like that in, in, real, in the real world as well. I know when, when my brothers were younger, when I would go back home and visit and they'd be like, hey, I can't do this thing on the game. Can you help me? And instead of trying yeah. to just figure it out, they'd want to pass it off to me kind of a thing. And you know what? I used to look at that as like buck up, do it yourself kind of thing. And I'd also want to help them. But at the same time, I remember myself being similar. I mean, I think that's just kind of how children are to some regards. And I don't know if his younger brother is a child or an adult, so I guess I shouldn't assume that. But being as an Yeah, being like a there's teacher, a whole lot of context there that changes stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know, you know, teaching elementary school and junior high school students um, here in Japan more so elementary school, obviously, when something gets hard, the first instinct is for a lot of students to say, oh, moody, which translates to, I can't do it. And I hate that phrase. I absolutely hate that phrase because it's like, yeah, you can. You just need to figure out how. And if you can't figure it out, you utilize your resources. Uh, and that doesn't mean just look up the answer on the internet. Figure it out. Try. If you can't figure it out, talk with your friends. Because then they can teach yeah. And it's, I, obviously, video games and learning a second language are something that are two completely different things. And I acknowledge that. Um, even though sometimes yeah, when I'm in I the classroom, it. I feel like I'm learning Albed from Final Fantasy VIII. After picking up the magazines, I start catching more words. And I'm like, oh, I kind of understand that sentence. Or sorry, yeah. Final Fantasy X. The funniest like, thing oh, about that. He said something about the Machina. Some of that the sentence. funniest thing about Albed. Yeah is like not not two three years earlier they would have done that whole thing but never given us the cipher and just expected you to figure it out on your own god damn i know this is off topic but ugh, talk about a system in a game i fucking loved talk about an incentive to play through a game again i loved to be like oh if i play through it again i could kind of understand like almost all of what like and you didn't even have to get them all. You, by the end of the game, you were pretty much at a point where you could, like, suss out what yeah. they were saying regardless. Like, you had enough of those things. Yeah. Well... That was really fucking cool. Yeah, but kind of like what I was getting at there, like, not long earlier, they would have had a cipher and expected you to figure out the whole thing on your own. Just write down the lines, yeah. and you'll you'll eventually be able to translate them yourself, because, like, it, it was like a straight substitution cipher on that thing. Like, it's not anything really Yeah, this letter, this letter, yeah. Yeah, but... um. As far as like the the new generation not getting it, there's every generation again, has thought that about every generation before it. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of it you're not taking into account. Like we had the entire 
PS1 and N64 generation that none of them knew what the fuck to do with 3D. So we had the entire time it took the industry to figure out what to do with 3D for us to figure out how to also interact with it. Um, yeah. I've really noticed this with my younger kid um, where he he's he really enjoys video games, but like anything where you have to control a 3D camera, it's just the, 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 that is such a hard concept to to start getting in your muscle memory um be able to control a dual stick sort of a thing um he's just he's just not there yet like he asks for help in those games constantly because he's just not good enough at it to Mm -hmm. be able to like line stuff up like simple things like make sure the camera's pointing in the direction you want to run so you can you know make the jump without having to try to worry about a weird angle um like that just just they aren't concepts he's grasped yet um whereas he'll play a 2d game and just knock it out um i i think there's a fine line in this way of thinking that is basically between you know i want you to problem solve and figure this out i want you to actually try versus i suffered and i came out better for it or in theory came out better for it therefore you should it's kind of it's kind of the what we attribute the boomer yeah. versus millennial um, viewpoint as well, you know, I, I, in some regard or in some situations, I want my students to kind of bump heads a little bit with what they're trying to figure out because I want them to rise to the occasion and I want them to show themselves. And so when they accomplish it, they can feel a, a sense of gratification of themselves you know they can be proud of themselves i don't need to say hey i'm proud of you they can feel i'm proud of myself i figured this out and they can instill that self-value within them you know and i think that's really important Mm -hmm. even when it comes to something as silly as a video game if i have to look online for something because i can't figure it out you know i feel like damn why didn't i figure this out like why why didn't i just put the time and effort in versus if i figure it out for myself i feel some kind of sense of accomplishment in myself and who I am like wow I stuck with this I figured out this puzzle I'm really proud of myself and it's mm-hmm. and there, there's that 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 there's that viewpoint there and I also get that like the, I, I'm sure when and I wasn't old enough to quite notice when people were talking about this I was pretty young at the time when strategy guides started being introduced as a thing um I know that like some of the booklets back in the day uh, for the older generations of games would include a manual in there. I know Fantasy Star 2 is a really big prime example of that where they actually had pretty much a walkthrough in their little thick booklet and you could reference it if you wanted to. But then they started introducing strategy ga- guides for all these different games and I'm sure there was the old curmudgeon previous gen of gamers who were like, you know, back in my day, we didn't need strategy guides. And you know, complained about those. And so now, you know, it's easier, easy for us to kind of be like, well, we didn't have YouTube tutorials back in the day. We had to hop on dial up and wait for a web page to load for five we minutes. We had to go to Prima guides to online next, and, and we had click to on the link. Somebody had to walk through online. Yeah. Right. Well, not just that. We, like there's a lot of shit. I just didn't finish back in the day. Yeah, totally. Like you just, Right. You played a ton of it, but you just never finished it. And 
Would it we have had been to call worth my time to like if the internet was a thing when I was a kid. Like, would I have looked it up? Probably, probably. Would I finished more games. Yeah. Um, like I, I had to call Nintendo and ask them where the Master feeling, Sword was. Um, looking some of that stuff up. Um, but I do think we need to have better ways of doing it. And I've, I, I'll, I've seen, I've seen a lot of like Steam guides that do this well. Um, where they're like they understand that sometimes you just aren't looking at it the right way. And so I've seen a lot of Steam guides, which GameFAQs is kind of a nightmare now that it's changed so much. But like I've, I'm kind of seeing a lot of that torch being picked up by the Steam community, where if you like go to the community page and look up guides for stuff, uh, a lot of the times you'll get like, instead of just a direct walkthrough, it'll be like, okay, here's this hint. Like, and you can kind of, yeah. You know, it's got like the highlight text so you can Suss avoid spoilers. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, is that enough? If not, here's the next hint. And like you get down like three or four things and it just tells you what to they do can eventually. Breadcrumb but, you in the in the right direction. Yeah, and I I've I've been seeing people put more effort into doing that in order to still get you That's to like, kind of cool. come to these discoveries on your own. Because I think people are understanding that Sometimes you just get stuck, and it is a matter of what's well, the sort of thing you would just, like you said earlier, you just talk to a friend, you'd figure this out, and you would give each other hints or whatever. Or if it's something you just, uh, like, just tell me how to do it, you'd eventually just do that. And it's, it's neat seeing the online community start to take some of those ideas and put them into a you modernize know, them. Yeah, modernize them. Make make those make them work for a current audience. Totally um, right. I. Th- I think another cool thing you can kind of do too is if you're worried about that specifically, um, uh, the the listener who posed this question, and it's something I probably could have done with my little brothers when I was younger as well, is develop a system with them where it's like, okay, you're allowed to look on the internet for the answer. You can do that two times per game, mm. period, or two times per run through, something like that. Where, and you could even do that with yourself. Just challenge yourself. If you're playing a puzzle game and it's like, I'm really struggling, it's like, how bad do you want it? And if I, if you literally cannot figure it out, you've been racking your brain for days, then use one of your two, um, get out, get out of jail yeah. free cards and look it up. Uh, you could self-impose yeah. some kind of restriction on yourself as well to make it more interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get that. Like, especially things like puzzle games, like some of those puzzle games have a really steep learning curve and it takes a while. And sometimes you're impatient and you, you want to know, you want to get to the end and you want to see what happens. And I totally get that. I do. um, Like Josh, like you said, if when I was younger, if we had access to YouTube tutorials and like Rich, you said as well, I probably would have finished a lot more games when I was younger because we would have had those walkthroughs there readily available for us. You want to know real frustration hours, um, me in college, uh, reviewing games for online outlets, having four hours until an embargo is lifted and being stuck on something and the embargo Mm. hasn't been lifted. So there's no one who can tell me what to do. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I I think kind of along a lot of these lines, I think a few other, a a few developers get this. Um, I've seen some really cool stuff in the puzzle space with stuff like, uh, and, uh, Tohu that just came out at the beginning of the year, which are point and click adventure games. 
um, that have a really cool system where if you're stuck on a puzzle, um, they're not like really open sprawling sort of adventure games. They know which puzzle you're on because there's only so many. Um, there's there's an in-game hint system with in both of them essentially like a obnoxious, just slightly frustrating, but not not like time consuming, but just like on one of them, it's like a shmup, like, you know, shooter thing. Um, and on the other one, it's like a timing puzzle sort of a thing. And then once you do that, you get hints that are essentially still wordless, but like kind of showing you like little pictograms of like kind of what's up, what some of the steps might be that you'd need going forward. Um, that, are just enough to point you in the right direction if you're completely stuck. And they're just, they're in-game. Yeah. Um, fold Apart also had a uh, a hint button that would just, like, do a fold for you if you were stuck to get you started. Mm -hmm. And I, when reviewing that, I wanted to test the limits of it. So, yeah, you could just keep tapping it, and it'll just play it'll the game. Just, you know, it will just play the game for you. But, yeah, it'll give you the single first fold that you need sometimes, which is... Which is oftentimes enough to get you started if your brain's really mm -hmm. just crapping out on you. Yeah. Well, I want to thank each and every listener for posting your comment again Thursday on Instagram at Swordchomp. If you want to chime in, we'd love to have your comments on the show. Um, so thank you very much to each and every one of you. We're going to take a quick commercial break, um, go to the bathroom, punch each other in the mouth, you know, those kind of things. We will be back, so don't go anywhere. We'll see you in a few seconds. Hey there. Welcome. If you found this, you must be listening to The Chompcast. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. I know, you're wondering... Well, hey, shit! Tell them about the other podcast! Yes, I know you're wondering... What else could I listen to... Don't forget the other podcast! What else could I possibly listen to... Tell them about the other podcast! Shut the fuck up. I'm about to tell them. As I was saying, if you want more content from us and you want to hear us talk more about video games, head over to SoreChomp.com where you can check out our other podcasts such as Chomping After Dark, a spoiler cast that deep dives on various games and movies, and Evoking the Sublime where Shay breaks down the history and creation of a video game often paired with interviews from various developers. Thank you, and enjoy. Hey, everyone, we're back. Hey, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. We're back, we're back, we're back. Don't worry, I know we were gone for a really long time. Actually, you don't know how long we were gone for. You think we were gone for one minute, but we were gone for much, much longer. No, we were gone for like five minutes. But anyways, we're back. Don't fret. We're here to talk to, to you about some video games right freaking now. Rich played a little-known video game. Um, I don't know if it's pretty famous outside of the three of us or not. I, I'd have to inquire with other people, but he played some game called Mass Effect Legendary Edition. What's that about, Rich? Uh, so yeah, I've been playing on PC, I've been playing the Mass Effect, uh, the Legendary Collection, 
And um, here, here's here's where I'm at with Mass Effect. Um, I'm through the first one. I'm on to Mass Effect 2. This is a pretty solid collection as far as uh, getting these games back together goes. Uh, the visual stuff, especially in one... Mostly everything looks pretty solid as far as the improvements go. I think my biggest complaint would probably be that occasionally the human characters in one specifically um, get a little uncanny valley-ish. The aliens really look quite phenomenal. The ships look really good. There's a whole lot of lens flare. Uh, Take that for what you will. I'm kind of fine with it. a lot of the the changes around the surface are good. Like they've made some they made some changes to leveling to streamline a little bit more. Um, I don't know how significant changes to AI are, but combat feels better than I remember it being. Um, the Mako is still, which is the the land vehicle from Mass Effect One, still feels like dog shit, but feels a lot better than it did in the original game. You can revert that to the original controls if you want the game to be worse uh same goes for the original leveling system the you can put that back to its original one if you would like the game to be worse uh i don't know why you would make decisions like this uh i'm a little ways into mass effect 2 and my my feelings on that are i'm really happy to be back in mass effect 2 in particular because that is sort of mass effect at its best um and understandably because it's mass effect that it's most open I sort of have weird feelings being back in Mass Effect because it's super cool that there's a place to play them all in succession now. There's one place to play Mass Effect 1 through 3. But the magic is gone, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Like, the the years we had, the decade of playing Mass Effect, because I kind of know how it all ends and that they, they can't really keep the promise that was the promise of Mass Effect. Hmm. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I I have one question before you delve too much into Mass Effect 2. In Mass Effect 1, you played as the female ship, right? I'm playing as Fem Shep this time because I did not do that um, the original time I played the game. So that begs the question then. I think this is probably on the forefront of everybody's minds right now. Did you fuck Garrus? You can't in one. No, that's not what I'm asking. I didn't ask if you can. I asked, did you? Well, no, because you can't. Well, are you going to? In two, absolutely, yeah. How hard are you going to fuck him? Uh, not too hard, because he's not a carbon-based life form, and I'll die. Um, never forget, one of my favorite pieces of dialogue uh, from Mass Effect 2 is Morden uh, informing you if you are going to uh, go upstairs with Garrus. Uh, don't ingest any fluids. Uh-huh. Okay, that begs the second question. Why Garrus? Why not Thane? Uh, because Garrus is the day one, you know? He's one of two crew members who are there from the beginning up until the end. Like, Thane's a cool and all, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, on, he's on the party for the suicide mission, and then what, he's gonna go to a hospital and die of some degenerative disease? Selfish. Um. <laughs> I mean, it'd be kind of romantic if you shared what little time he had together with him. It would be romantic if I fucked Garrus in the captain's quarters while we were waiting for the world to end. Uh, Garrus is just... Why fuck Garrus? Because you can't fuck Rex. That's why. (laughs) 
Fair play. Fair play. Um, you don't. You don't want to get wrecked. I mean, wrecked in the bedroom. But <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, why fuck Garrus? Because you can't fuck Morden. Um, these these are my answers to your questions. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I, I'm really liking being back there again. Yeah, like I, Mass Effect Three. I, I'm gonna get to it, and I know it's definitely the tightest gameplay wise and all that fun stuff. But it, part of it feels bittersweet because I'm fine with the way Mass Effect Three ends and the way it goes. But there's always like those bittersweet memories of Mass Effect Rodic check it, couldn't cut cash. And I don't think that's necessarily anybody's fault in a big way because the developers were trying to do something ambitious and clearly wanted to. But Mass Effect 3 reaches a certain point where it's like, oh, fuck, we're running out of time and we need to tie a bow on all these things we set up. And a lot of them yeah. end up just getting resolved in like an email or something like an email from somebody you met in Mass yeah. Effect 1. Um, but the stories along the way are fun. And Mass Effect 2, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinions, is at least as far as the narrative of Mass Effect goes, Mass Effect at its best, at its most open, it has it the most it can play around with. Uh, just ideas, I'm forgetting how fun they were. Like the whole idea of the elusive man is ridiculous and awesome. And uh, there's stuff from Mass Effect One even I had forgotten about that I, I really enjoyed seeing again. Uh, one thing I'm sure people will be curious about that haven't touched it yet. Uh, long elevators in Mass Effect 1 are still intact, but you can just hit a button to skip them. Uh, I, for one, am a big fan of long elevators uh -huh. because uh, they have... Mass Effect is one of those games I spent hours poring over the codex and one of those games that justifies every decision it makes from entry to entry. Like, you can read about why the way ammo changes from one to two, like the invention of thermal clips and the way they changed. Yeah, and the way they, um, the way they made the game... It's so weird because, like, it's better from the beginning of the game and strictly worse from the end of the game. Like, you But there's getting... a justification for yeah, it. Yeah, like, but they give you a reason going yeah. forward, which is just, and, yeah, they have to justify um, all that stuff. And I mentioned the long elevators. One of my favorite uh, lines of dialogue, I believe it's from Mass Effect 3 because it had the shortest loading times. Um, I had Garrus and Tally in my party, and this is a... a dialogue conversation you can get with Garrus where you're, you're going through like a shuttle or something that is particularly long for Mass Effect 3 and Garrus says something lines, long lines of like, Tally's like, oh, this is taking forever and Garrus is like, ah, it's fine, you know kind of reminds me of those old Citadel elevator rides just time for the crew to bond. Come on Tally, tell me about the Quarian immune system because that's <laughs> what they filled those load times with. We're just like expedition dumps of like mm -hmm. news reports coming on or the characters just talking about random shit um, that just added flavor to that world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that, that game did a good really job of feeling bigger than it was in Mass Totally. Which is maybe why, like, Andromeda disappointed me more than anything else, because that universe has such a potential, and to me it is like Star Trek levels of limitless as far as stories you could tell. And they chose to tell a story that had zero ties to almost anything happening in the world they had established and, like, mm -hmm. fumbled it at so many different turns. And Andromeda is not completely irredeemable. I think its rocky launch is what doomed it more than anything. But it, yeah, it, was, it could it was have been so much more. Launch, so. Yeah. So, being as a fan of the series for a long time, obviously, like, the three of us are, even though Rich is the only one who's played it um, at this current point in time, what is the big sell to someone who's never played this series before? Why would 
someone who has who was well, either I, too I, young or just didn't have time, why would they suddenly get into this very very engrossing long trilogy? Well, for starters, I just think this universe is still fantastic and has a lot to offer. Um, they've updated where they could to sort of grind off some of the more sour edges that didn't age quite as well. Um, obviously, it looks that the updated visuals are a selling point, but I would recommend that universe to anyone who's a fan of sci-fi. It's a universe worth getting into. I also think this is definitely part of them getting all this stuff in one place again for you to play as they ramp up to... Uh, a new Mass Effect that we've seen from the teasers is, unlike Andromeda, going to be a, a direct follow-up to 3. More than likely a Shepherdless one, but one that will, will pick up the torch of the remaining Normandy crew, uh, which is something I, I'm very excited mm. to see. I'm hoping, as that tease suggested, that it is a game where Liara is the main character, because I think there's a lot of potential there. I think she had the most well-developed storyline coming out of that series. But yeah, yeah so and that makes sense. Based off that initial trailer, they kind of had her at the forefront, and I want to say they had like Garrus, Tally, and um, uh, Grunt kind of standing in in the background there. And if you could give me a game where you're playing as Liara and your starting crew is those three, like that sounds great yeah. to me. There's a lot of promise there. Oh, yeah that that kind of that kind of answers my next question. My next question was going to be, do you want there to be some tie-in of the existing crew from the original trilogy or would you want them to kind of go with a whole new story kind of like kind of what andromeda was trying to do but have some crossover with the normandy crew what like what would you think would be better i think you you could succeed in either direction um i think andromeda left such a bad taste in people's mouths that they they want to go back to those characters you loved and I think those, the crew members I mentioned in particular, have interesting stories to tell because they were, one, very closely tied to Shepard's journey, and I'm interested to see, one, without talking spoilers about what happens at the end of Mass Effect 3, like, it changes the state of that galaxy, and I'm very interested in, what does the world look like after that, and how do these characters in particular pick up the pieces and move on? I, I really want to make a joke here. Uh... Actually, I, I think I can make it in a non-spoilery spoilery way. Is I would love if Mass Effect 4 was you, you being the cleanup crew, uh, cleaning up all the debris did you, that, from the Did you see that trailer? That, that's literally what that trailer is. It's a debris cleaning simulator. That's what Mass Effect 4 is. <laughs> and the, uh, because I'm sure EA will have their hands on it somehow, the, uh, the, the paywalls will be paying to get a better cleaning broom or a better window washing or some shit like that that makes it happen quicker that'll um, be the uh, paywalls inter there interesting uh note as far as changes they made I, I i think it's mass effect one this quest is in uh there's a quest that there had been a long long time uh rumors about online that something was funky that is now confirmed because they changed it in these versions of the game uh, where you were dealing with a human NPC who is the leader of a terrorist group. Um, and the NPC was weird, and the idea that he was a human made no sense in context. Um, and in the new versions of the game, he his character model has been swapped for a Turian, uh, which makes a lot more sense. I've heard about that, yeah. Okay. I, I remember reading about that. It's funny, that. I remember that exact quest, too. 
this many years uh, later. Which, like, year, uh, years ago, people were posting online about how, like, I think something's funky here, and this character was supposed to be a Turian, and nobody got around to replacing the model, and then the game mm-hmm. shipped. And lo and behold, it seems yep. like that was definitely the case. Yep. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, cool, man. I'm glad that you're enjoying it so far. I wonder if they changed Are the follow-up be getting... line, because I feel like they had a follow-up line about that weird character being a human in two. Maybe huh. not, but I seem to remember that. It's it's been forever. I don't know. I could I'll, be wrong. I'll, if I if I encounter something, I will uh, yeah. I will let you know. Because I feel like they specifically added a follow up because it was so weird in two. But I I it could I could be remembering something else, possibly. It was like the Dave Chappelle Black Klansman <laughs> uh, sketch. Uh yeah yeah very the similar very sort of sketch vibe. on that show. Yeah, Clayton Bigsby. No, are you going to be getting up a review of the whole trilogy, Rich? I know we were kind of talking about this privately. Are you going to do it on the the legendary uh, edition, the remaster, or are you going to as I um, as I get deeper into two, I think I, I'm going to be more suited. I think I'm going to be more suited to do a long form one about the collection as a whole. Okay, when cool. when do you think you'll be getting that up? I have no fucking clue. Um, I'm still in the middle of two, and I have a whole other game to get through after this. Uh, hopefully soon, because I am kind of, like I flew through one. I beat one in maybe like two days. One is also not that long, um, but uh, I'm enjoying it, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it shakes out. That's fair. I mean, there's no rush on it. I'm glad you're just taking your time with it. I was just curious because I wanted to give the listeners some kind of inkling of when to expect that. But yeah, for you, the listeners, be on the lookout. We'll kind of let you know when Rich is about to drop that review. So I'll be excited because I do. I still plan on playing that game later this year. I just don't have time right now because of everything that's coming out. So. We'll see. We'll see. Totally. The next game we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some more Resident Evil Village. Get it knocked out of the way. One of the other big games that we um, all played. And um, I I wanted to talk about this a little bit more because I hadn't finished it by the time we recorded last week. Since then, I finished the game twice and I'm already on my third playthrough. Now, Rich, you've... We're the same, you and me. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you're in the same boat. Josh, did you finish the game or not yet? Yeah, no, I finished the game. I've done a little bit of Mercenaries, but that's it. I've not uh, started the next playthrough yet. I've got... Uh, what are we up okay. to? Um, just shy of a gross on the backlog. So, Cool. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about it uh, for different things. I wanted to talk about it in a non-spoiler way. Um the story and kind of where it goes. And that's kind of a difficult thing to do. And it won't be a very long discussion, but I really, what I want to say is that I really enjoyed where the story kind of went. It was ridiculous and it was over the top and they went, but that like is Resident Evil said last week, they went out of their way to explain some things. And it is exactly what I wanted out of something like this. I really enjoyed it where, where seven, where seven was just overly, overly ridiculous. I think eight or village dialed it back just a, a hair. Um, in terms of when you compare it to seven, I don't think and so. I, I think it went harder, like way harder in the ridiculous. I well, I see, mean, seven I is stupid, but it's Maybe it's, it's s- way less campy. It's just it happens to be stupid because this game has a solid thirty-minute section where you zero dark thirty some werewolves. 
Well, that's that's my point. I think it's a little less campy, and I think the placement of where that all unfolded, like the beginning, is a little bit ridiculous, and then you kind of accept it. I mean, it's not it's not as ridiculous as you sitting at a dinner table with a a, a family of I kind of disagree. Controlled, <laughs> crazed. I think this one's way more ridiculous all the way through. Intentionally, it's way more intentionally ridiculous. The, the yeah. stuff in seven was just like, where they, again, where they didn't understand what the tone was they were doing, and you got stuff like that dinner scene, ta- you know, dinner table scene where it's just it well, feels like being at a Chuck E. Cheese. Well, here's the thing: animatronic I, I think, characters. I that, think the dinner table scene is almost like a more tapered version of the the church scene in this one. Um, like there are yeah. analogs, and I really, I really do think this one's way more ridiculous. Like, I don't think what you're saying is Basil Shay, but I just think the consistency of the ridiculousness is maybe what makes it come off that way. Like that, it's less so. Yeah, yeah, that's that might be the case here. I I felt the ridiculousness in Seven because it was such it was a game that was trying to pride itself so much on horror. And then it would be filled with these ridiculous story beats. And then you get right launch right back into the horror where, yeah, this one isn't um, as pro uh, as uh, prominent with the, um, with the horror. And it kind of, like you said, it kind of addresses its silliness throughout. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I don't. Hmm. I think it's good because, again, like I, I they go crazy places with this. I think Resident Evil is at its best when it is being unbelievably stupid. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And this game not only keeps up with the stupidity of it. Six is the big misstep for me, like a narrative that tries to take itself too seriously, but doesn't do the fun stuff and tried to go too actiony. Whereas then I think seven steered it back and dialed everything back to be like, this is a contained thing and we're going to take it slow and learn what we are. And then eight continues to do that. And then without getting spoilery successfully ties itself back to all the events of previous resident evil in a way that someone like me, who is a huge resident evil fan and is really invested in the nonsense it's been building over the years. I was very excited to see the way they, straight up tie this place back to like the events at the Spencer mansion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting where the story goes and the ending, I found a weird sense of satisfaction with the ending. Um, yeah. there's, there's one part that was a little head scratching, which I'm not going to detail. Well, we're going to end up doing a chomping after dark. I believe I think that's in order on this. this I'm game, definitely but, up for that. Um, the epilogue was interesting. And it has some fun implications um, in terms of whether we're going to get DLC to this game or we're going to get another or what Resident Evil Nine installation. If Resident Evil Nine is continuing the story or if it's going in a different direction, I'm hoping that it's hinting that we're going what far enough think? in the future again that we get something new. Because I, I think yeah. that's just foreshadowing for the direction Nine's going in. Yeah, um, I think that's what. That is what makes the most sense. Um, 
could be could be real good. No, I yeah, again, I like that idea because there have always been these just essentially insane superpowers, but they're always presented as oh, it's horror. They're, they're not superpowers or whatever. But a lot of the stuff they kind of put forward as oh, maybe you'll get to play as someone with some of these crazy abilities. Yeah. Um they want to who knows. Well, maybe they kind maybe of not are superpowers. Like, these people are bio weapons. Yeah. I mean, we kind of did, didn't we? Um, not in the way that mattered. They it, pretended okay, we yeah, did, but like fair. from the actual well, yeah. experience, no. It was funny. Yeah. Um, here's the thought. I just want to put this out in the air because I know Capcom's listening. <laughs> um, let's put Resident Evil on an every other year cycle. And you're going, every other year? What are we going to do with that free time? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to take this engine and you're going to make Dino Crisis. Okay. Dino Crisis. Dino Crisis. This is a pro-Dino Crisis podcast. Let's do it. I can see I Dino Crisis on this engine. Different. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking something a little different. I was thinking Capcom could buy the rights to Dead Space. And they could, the next installation, put it so far in the future that those two worlds collide. Dino crisis. <laughs> Dino crisis. <laughs> like, you know, when you open the door, and you're like, oh, no, is there a zombie? What if you were opening a door and you were like, oh, no, is there a triceratops in here? And then I'd be like, oh, it's not going to hurt me. Mm. Um, no, a few of the other things I wanted to talk about with this game really quickly is... One of the things I really, really like is after you beat the game, if you've unlocked the, the challenges or the trophies or the achievements, whatever you're playing it on, you get something called completion or collection points, excuse me. Or is it completion? I can't remember. It's one of those two words. I think it's completion, completion points. Completion points? Okay. Um, and with that, you can do a lot of different things. You can, um, you can unlock some concept art. You can unlock the mercenaries mode, which Josh was talking about. He played a little bit. You can unlock weapons that you can buy from the merchant in the story mode. And if you fully kitted out your weapon during a playthrough, as in you completely upgraded it, you got all the attachments to it, you can buy unlimited ammo for that weapon. Now, uh, what's really great about that and this is something obviously I was talking about a little bit earlier, is it's it makes the subsequent playthroughs that much more interesting, especially if you're starting on normal like I did and you're going to hard and then the village of shadow or veteran and then the village of shadows difficulty. Is that you feel like your character's kind of leveling up along with the gameplay so you have a fighting chance. Uh you get to keep all your your items from the previous playthrough if you choose to do so like a new game plus mode you don't have Put a to suit do of that, armor on you ashley can, you can you can choose to do that if you want to and the the ramp up in difficulty is most noticeable between veteran and um and the village of shadows like i went from normal to hard it was like the enemies were a tiny bit more bullet spongy and i noticed that in some areas there were like two or three more enemies than there were before but it wasn't that big of a deal. But when you get into the village of shadows, I tried to it, go there like, first and it was, whoa. it was an immediate fucking ramp up. It was hard because you have the original, you have the, 
the original enemy that you first come across, which are the lichens. Um, and then eventually you get to a part in the story where you're wandering through the village. I think, I believe it's the second time you're wandering through and you come across a slightly bigger lichen with the helmet on and you basically have to knock that helmet off and then beast him. And he has in, like increased health as well. So it's a stronger enemy. The game decides to throw some of those at you at the very beginning of the game. And, uh, it was, it was brutal. It was really brutal. Um, and it's only going to get worse or quote unquote worse, I guess. What, but the cool thing is I was able to fully kit out the Magnum and get unlimited ammo on it. And I was texting these guys about it last night. So at the very beginning of the game, there's this thing called a, there's, there's a lichen attack basically where you are, you're basically supposed to kind of run around with a chicken with its head cut off. And then you get shot in the leg and it starts a cutscene. And this is something that Josh and I talked about last week, not being clear on the directive of how to approach that. But there's this huge enemy that comes at you um, who, quote unquote, kind of captures you or like pins you down. And you are able to kill that enemy at the beginning of the game if you have enough firepower. Because I had the Magnum, I wasted that motherfucker in like 30 seconds. And mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was jubilant. Like, when you first start that game, that lichen attack feels so overwhelming because you, you're obviously just getting into the game and you're trying to figure out everything out. You don't really have a lot of power. You don't have a lot of experience, but by the third time around with that Magnum, I had like, I was just anybody, I was hiding in a corner and as lichens were running up to me, I have just one shot each one of them. And it was, it was so much fun. It was so rewarding. Um, that I put all that time and effort into unlocking everything to just wasting everything. So it's really, really fun to do that. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else major that I wanted to say about the game. I haven't done mercenary mode. Josh, how is mercenaries that is fun? It is. It is fun. That's a basically everything in this game is something from four. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Which is which is it, a good thing, but including um, everything you just described, it, for some reason it took them this long to be like to bring it I back. I think people liked four. Maybe yeah. we should do some of the stuff from like four. Four had a really good, really fleshed out new game plus system in the same was sort of way. Basically um, identical to this. Yeah, and a lot of the sort of it wasn't identical. Like I think I think the way they fleshed it out here is a whole lot more rewarding to do a variety but, of things. But most um, of the ideas are lifted from but, but what, they're, what they're 4 all did. Pretty yeah. much from 4. Um, the Mercenaries is essentially a horde mode sort of a, a thing. Um, where like you're going for like combo scores for killing it's these enemies. Based, yeah. um, and you're it's like a high score attack sort of a thing. Like kill as many enemies as you can in this thing while racking up points. Uh, and you'll get graded for it at the end, um, sort of a thing. Um, with different characters that each have their own loadouts and stuff and play slightly differently. Um, give me hunk or give me death. Yeah, it's it's really fun because I think that's kind of, that mode is kind of where you can see the missteps starting with five and six of like let's make this more action like oh man they didn't like five very much let's make it even more action focused that wasn't the problem everyone yeah and like that you can kind of see where it went wrong and then seven they overcorrected and made it 
like just pure horror and then they've kind of brought it back to where it should be it's like no no we, like the action bits were good the reason four was fun is because the action was satisfying like it was still a, still basically a resident evil game but like it's satisfying it's and it still had those incredibly tense moments yeah the combat is satisfying in all this when you are doing well but it you don't feel like ridiculously overpowered um an, a, except for like the mercenary modes and the new game plus stuff or when you buy that rpg to one shot salazar yes exactly um it's 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 basically like that it's it's very much like the mercenary mode mode in four four was its own kind of a thing because even in this in the like the mercenary mode in four like this you know these scores ammo was still a really tight resource and uh in four staggering enemies and then um doing a melee kill on them was your best way to conserve ammo um so you ended up kneecapping a bunch of guys and then suplexing them was kind of the way you did a bunch of the combat watching them explode yes um so you know obviously it's it's not identical because that was kind of the loop in four in a lot of ways but it's it's still a really satisfying thing because the combat works in the main game and they're like okay like what dumb things can we do to like flesh this combat out in a different way than the main game has it focused uh and they do they do interesting things with it um and it's it is it's just it is a satisfying place to go try out the combat uh in this game cool cool yeah i want to try it out here um probably after I finish out all the other little trophies that I need to get in the main story mode. I'm I'm trying to clear those up right now. I want mm-hmm. to basically or you, or you can do it ahead of time so you get that lightsaber. Yeah, it's true. You can get That's a lightsaber a good point too. That's actually a really good point. On my you final do that villager, which will be like the the speed run. If I had that lightsaber, that would be dope. The Jedi run. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So. Cool. Well, Actually, yeah, I think I'm there was an to... achievement for only using melee. There is. There is. There, there is. is one um, of the achievements for only using melee, except for the there's like a final boss thing where it's like bosses. you have to shoot, but you have to shoot at it. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's one for just doing it in melee. So you probably want the lightsaber which for that one. Which is not doable with a knife, even if you've unlocked Chris's knife, which is a lot faster. Yeah. There are a few. Yeah, there are a few of them that just it doesn't do the job. So. Unfortunately, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited to play more of that before Biomutant comes out here this week. So I'm really excited to delve into that game as well. That game looks so fucking good. I'm um, I'm off that day. I'm excited to become a Biomutant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got that Cloudpunk DLC. (laughs) Resident Evil 8 is in the books. We won't talk about it again, except in the polls this week. Uh, until we do the shopping after dark. So it's been a fun game, fun experience. Now, Rich, again, taking the taking one for the team, not in a bad way. It kind of has bad implications. You played Famicom Detective Club, and I've been really, really curious about the game. So I want to yeah. I want to hear about it. I uh, picked up the Famicom Detective Club collection. Um this is two games, this is Famicom Detective Club, The Missing Heir, and uh, The Girl Who Stands Behind. Uh, I started with The Girl Who Stands Behind, which is the technically the second game in the C- series. It is a prequel. They are both standalone stories. 
Um, I'm going to start with saying that uh, the main reason I was most excited to pick these up are because as somebody who really... I, I take a, a very large interest in video game history. Um, it's super interesting that these games are finally coming to the U.S. because they are, as the title suggests, games for the Famicom or the Super Nintendo... That I'm sorry, the, the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, um, that were originally released only in Japan. Um, and they are basically visual novels. Uh, so this is their first time coming out here in the U.S. Uh, fully redone art, fully voice acted in Japanese, not in English. Um, and they are basically mystery uh, visual novels. And I'm a, most of the way through The Girl Who Stands Behind. I think all the art's really good. The The voice work is good. Weird weird stuff. I, I'm a big fan of these types of games. I'm a big fan of, like, the Ace Attorney series. Um, these are rough around the edges. And I, I want to, like, be totally upfront about that out the gate. And it, that has a lot to do with when they came out. Like, these were visual novels for the NES. Like, that's a thing to put in perspective. A lot of it doesn't feel like the same kind of deductive reasoning you'd get in, like, an Ace Attorney. It just feels like you're burning through all the options until you get the new thing to move along. Hmm. Like, let me ask about this. Let me ask about this. Let me ask about this thing again. And some of it feels obtuse and not obvious. And it can be a little frustrating at a point. And they did a lot of work here to the visuals and to the voice work and all that. And part of me is kind of curious why they didn't clean up a lot of the like more obtuse design. Like visual novels are just designed better now. Um, and this one can be a little frustrating to get through at times. And for $35 a pop for each of these games or 60 if you want to buy them together, like... It's kind of a big asking price um, for a game that I think a lot of people don't necessarily know what they're in for. I, I think the stories are good enough to to keep you hooked, and I also have, you know, an affinity for this sort of genre, and I, you know, oh, it's finally time for me to be a teenage Japanese detective. The time has come. I'm going to solve these mysteries. Uh, they're cool, but they they are a product of their time in a in a really big way. I okay. you know that's one of the biggest things that kind of gated me from this is I was interested in kind of like the historical aspect of these games being dropped as well as the the subject matter in general. Like playing through a detective story sounds really fascinating. I also know that they're older games and like you said, being the price that they are for, a fair, for me, being a fairly unknown quantity was a tough sell for me on top of everything else that has been dropping recently. So it's kind of, it's kind of a bummer to hear that in some ways, even though that doesn't necessarily mean that your opinion is my opinion if I were to play them. But yeah, I was, I've, I've been kind of gating myself because of the price tag. Understandably, I think. Um, and I, I do, I do, th it's actually hard to say there's no physical release in the U S um, it's digital only. So I actually, now that I think about it very much doubt, you'll see the, the price of these drop. Uh, it's just not a thing Nintendo does digitally. Uh, it does make me yeah. wish there were a physical run because then I could at least advise you, you know, wait till you can pick it up on sale somewhere. Uh, but of course you, you are in Japan, so you do have the option of getting it physical. 
I'm sure yeah. I could get it for pretty They've cheap. They've done a but... slightly, slightly yeah. better job on the Switch. They've had a couple sales here and there. They're not big, though. It's like five bucks on them usually. But... And they are rarely on first-party Nintendo stuff. Well, they, they've done a few of them. Like I said, like a few of like the holiday sales. They've been like five bucks mm. off their games. It's it's tiny discounts, but like, yeah, yay, if, if if it's borderline for you, you could watch for that. It's not completely ruled out the way it has been in the past. Just mm-hmm. all but, but not not completely. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the thing here, I think these games for people who understand the genre just know that it is a very dated take on like early PC engine uh, visual novel stuff. Visuals are modern as hell. The games are gorgeous looking. All the art's brand new. Um, They look great on the Switch. And if you're looking for a visual novel to tide you over until July when the Great Ace Attorney drops and then we'll be ranting and raving about visual novels Mm -hmm. on this podcast. Um, Really fucking looking forward to that. I'm not through uh, the first one yet, the one I started with, which is The Girl Who Stands Behind, but I think I'm, I'm, thinking I'm pretty close, um, so I'll, I'll keep you guys aloft of that, and also I'm interested to see how I think of The Missing Air going to its second, because I've heard the puzzles are a little bit better um, in The Girl Who Stands Behind, understandably because it's the second game, they, they were figuring it out, you know, uh, and they stepped up the puzzle game a little bit in the second one, so we'll see how the first one compares when I get to it. Cool. Yeah, okay. I was curious if you're going to stick around with it. I'm sure it's going to be a little bit difficult with some of the games dropping in the coming weeks. But yeah, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts as you get into the other one as well. So cool. Thanks for taking the plunge for us, man. Because I'm I yeah, really, I'm I'm glad to do curious. it. It's it's these are games I have heard about for years. Um, because I am that weird guy who's reading about games you can't get in this country. Um, so I'm excited oh, that I can finally I get, get to experience it for myself. I think a lot of people have been curious, so yeah, it'll be something that it'll be good to hear you talk about more to pique other people's interest like it kind of piqued mine. So, cool. Well, we have two more games to get to, uh, neither of which I've ever heard of, so I'm really curious. Josh, you played a game called Aerial Knights Never Yield. Oh, yeah. What What is this? Neverwinter Nights sequel, finally! (laughs) Uh, this is one I kind of had on my radar since it was one of the Nindy. What what the hell are those called? The Nintendo Indie Showcase. Nindies, yeah. Um, earlier in the year, um, which is a runner, like a really highly stylized runner, um, from an indie studio out of out of Detroit, um, that has a it's not like in um it's not like a rhythm based runner like uh, uh, quite a few that we've seen it's more it's got a, like a heavy focus on the music that's there and stuff is kind of beat adjacent but it's not a rhythm game sort of a thing it's more about just kind of reacting to uh you know the different obstacles as they show up um like it's it's not res and there's nothing like res but i was getting res sort of vibes as far as the like okay like you're gonna res. get through these levels um like you'll it's you'll, a beautiful you'll die and game. retry I'm, it I'm a few times 
I'm looking at some screenshots. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, it is really, really heavily stylized. A lot of the, I was kind of, some of the res vibes it can't are be from gorgeous. the it takes place in Detroit. early animation style, because it's, it's not like really highly fleshed out animations. They're like, the character models gotcha. look really cool, but they're kind of, they're moving less fluidly than you'd, you'd, be, you'd kind yeah. of expect they, to see them. Um, looking at these pictures, recently, some of the character models remind me of like fusion frenzy characters for some reason. I don't yeah. know why, but that's kind of what they look like to me. Yeah, like they're they're sort of these low poly, really highly stylized models um that are really cool and it's it it's a really um great art style. The music in it is really great. It's a lot of um like hip hop and some R and B stuff for the different levels. Um with each of them having, you know, kind of their their own track to the level. Sort of a uh a thing going on um dude the out the soundtrack cover looks dope as hell like it, they released right? a little vinyl you probably can't see that very well but um because this is an audio podcast well, well i'm showing you even too. in the video format we're getting That's, it's uh we're not know, getting a lot just... to work with here <laughs> but, i figured uh, i figured unfortunately um, that's that's yeah, the way things go. yeah i've been really I really I've I've enjoyed my time with it. It is a sort of um run-based game um where it's got like a short enough number of levels that it's kind of designed to have you sit down, play the whole thing and then like okay, like it it um it's not a playable album, or at least they're not billing it as such the way Cyanar Wild Hearts was, but it's got that same sort of vibe of like something you can sit down, play all the way through. Um, and this one has multiple difficulties. Um, unlike Cyanar Wild Hearts, um, where like the first time through, every time you get to in uh, like an obstacle, uh, time will slow down to give you more time to react to it. Um, and then the next mode, you'll have significantly less slowdown for the obstacles. And then there's like a hardcore mode that doesn't have any slowdown and it's got even more obstacles than usual. Um, but they're, they're about 45 minutes to an hour sort of, sort of play time to, uh, to get through a run and you can play individual levels if you want to. But it's kind of it's it's got that feeling of something you just kind of sit down, play your way through. It's sort of, again, kind of like I was saying, res. It's got this sort of feeling, like this thing that you, kind of like an old shmup. It's like it's got this feeling of something you you sit down, you beat it, and then you go on with your day. Sort of a feeling to it, and, you, and then you come back to it later, like see if I can get a better score or, or whatever. It's uh, very much in that same vein of um, experiences. That's cool. I I like that it's it's kind of like a shorter run through. Mhm. That's really cool, man. So, have have you already finished the game then? At this point? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, again, I like I finished the game the first time through. I'm still going to want to go back to it cuz there are um there aren't a lot of achievements to go back through later on. Um but there's still kind of this feeling of like, okay, like I can um, I can do it better. Um, I can get a better time um, because it 
whenever you die, it keeps the timer running for a level. Um, it's like anytime you hit something, you'll go back to a checkpoint, but the timer will keep running. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's not exactly a speed run, but it's kind of a sort of a speed run feel to it of like right. getting through these levels. Um, and like, okay, I'm, I, I want to get this one perfect or something. Um, so it's got that sort of mastery feeling that you kind of have as a reason to go back and play through it a few more times, uh, which I've, I've really appreciated. I've, I've played through it a few times now already. Cool. Yeah. Sounds I, dope. It's it sounds interesting. It looks beautiful. So I um definitely yeah. Definitely curious about it. I don't know if I'll, it'll be something I pick up, but definitely like it. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. Well, we have one more game to talk about. Josh also played this game. It's a mouthful. Let's see if I get it right. Record of Lodos War, Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth. Is that the correct way to say that? Yes, that's that. Uh, I guess. Um, I guess. Um, <laughs> all that sounded correct, but this is a Japanese light novel series IP that they've kind of licensed out to a bunch of other properties as well through the mm. years. Um, and this is a. Uh, Metroidvania in that universe. You had um, me at Metroidvania. That is very, very Symphony of the Night-esque as far as the way the most mechanics work and whatnot. Tell um, me more. Tell me more. It, it has a... This, this should pique Shay's interest here. It's got a minor Ikaruga sort of feel to it, sort of like Outland that you loved so much. Whereas that was kind of the yeah. focus and everything was built around this or around that. Whereas this is more of a, um, you'll eventually pick up like these two spirits, like a wind elemental and a fire elemental that you can swap between. And mm. most of the attacks will be one of those two, but not all of them. So you still kind of need to watch out for the color for each attack. Like if something shadow or whatever, you just have to dodge it period. Um, but like any of the any of the red stuff is fire attacks, and if you've got the fire spirit equipped, you'll absorb that. Um, so it's got elements of that, but it's not kind of the entire thing in the way Outland was. Right. Um, it is been like a really really satisfying um, Metroidvania. Like like I said before, it is very much like Symphony of the Night as far as the way it plays. It's like you start the game with a backdash. Um and it just it's it's got really, really satisfying pixel art animations to make the whole thing just feel dead on for for what those games should feel like, which is something frankly not even Castlevania has done correctly with each go around. Um, you leave my perfect baby alone. Yeah, it is. It is extremely satisfying to play because it is based off of an IP that I have no knowledge of. The story feels very vague, and I'm not sure how much of that is the story just being vague, and how much is it is like or you being unfamiliar with characters, me not knowing who the hell these characters are, sort of sort of things. Um. I would but bet you it's full of fan service. If I'm it's, sure there's a bunch of it. Cause like characters series. show up with names 
as if I should know who they are all the time. Um, and it's just like, okay, I, I guess. Great. Great guys. Um, Good for you. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's great. And so like, I, I really don't know what the hell's going on with the story. Um, they've got, it's the little bit I can glean from it. I'm getting feelings of like chain of memories as far as like, so there's cards. Well, no, there's not cards, but like as far as like the storytelling structure, like maybe this thing isn't real. Maybe it's all in somebody's head. And so they're really shoving a bunch of fan service in there to like, because, oh, it's it's all a memory. That's why you're remembering these 18 books worth of yeah, characters. It's, it's a retelling that are, of, like, bigger plot points. Yeah, that are all here yeah. for some reason out of nowhere. And I, sure. I don't know what the hell is going on because of that. But also, like, the gameplay is solid enough that I don't care. I have not cared that I have no fucking clue what is happening for this I would imagine it would have to game. be or, or you would have fucking checked out by now. You wouldn't care enough to even talk about this. Yeah, no. Like, I... If... If somehow you you're you are already into this IP, I would absolutely recommend it. And if you're not, I, I'd recommend it if you are a fan of the genre because this is an excellent version of that. Like this is, um, very much in the same vein as like um, Bloodstained, as far as like taking that idea and doing it extremely well again. Um, just nailing the way everything is supposed to feel um in that style game it's got a uh interesting mechanic where uh, like i mentioned the switching of uh elements before to dodge attacks it also has a, a neat thing where like whenever you're in one of them you you any attacks on enemies will build your charge of the other one up to three levels uh, and whenever you're at hmm. max level in the one you've got equipped, your health will regen. So you can kind of use that on boss fights to like swap between them. Like, oh man, I just took a hit in wind form. Let me swap to fire and I'll regen that health and try to build that thing back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, then the risk being if you get hit in that one, then you've got neither form that you can regen health with. So it's kind of got this okay. it's a really sort of cool back and forth feeling where that that mechanic is not just used for the one thing of dodging attacks it's it's a multi-purpose sort of take on on what switching elements does and it's Mm. just it ends up being satisfying in more situations because it does more than one thing Mm -hmm. um it's yeah it's i'm i'm really digging the combat in this game is cool when when you switch forms is there a visual um i don't know what the right word would be like does it visually change for you to be that form and is it like striking when that happens it is something you kind of need to keep track of a little bit it's there and it's always present enough but there's a lot going on on screen on this style game so it can be something you kind of need to keep track of in your head um you've got like an after image as you move kind of like those early castlevania games where like you know how like whenever you kind of were floating along the forward, floridly like little after images of you. And there's 300 Alucards. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of a feeling to it. Um, those after images are the color of whatever image or whatever element you have equipped. Um, as well as mm. there's like a, like a little kind of particle effect glow. 
And then at the top by your health bar, there's also like a little orb that changes color, but like none of them are directly where the action is. So it's, it's something okay. that you still, it, it takes a little bit of processing power to remember what sort of, you know, like which element you have equipped at a given time. But yeah. like, it's, it's, it's the sort of thing you'll, 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 you'll keep, you know, you'll get a hold of it fairly quickly because there's only I, the two to switch between. So that's cool. I always like when games do that. Like, I think granted, this is a very weak comparison, but to me, it sounds like the the potential there to have like the the elemental changing is you I don't remember if you guys played this game I might have been the only one to play it uh, seasons after fall that game where you control the little fox spirit and each time you switch between mm-hmm. the different seasons the screen completely changes to be that season and it's so visually stunning and impressive uh, the way it does that and I you know I I love that style and it would have been cool I think honestly if you had said yeah like you become this like wind looking kind of this aura around you. I probably would have bought the game right on the spot because <laughs> I just love that visually. <laughs> those those visual, it's striking, impacts. man. It's so striking. That's cool. Did you finish that one too, then, Josh? Or not yet? I am still working on that. I'm I am close to the end, but uh, well, I'm close to the end unless it turns out there's an upside down castle or something. God, um, let's hope. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, getting there. Or getting a sideways there. castle. Mm-hmm. I want to play Symphony of the Night now. <laughs> I want to play Fez. I have come to end cool. this. Well, cool. Well, thank you guys for recapping the games you've been playing this week. We're going to take one more really quick commercial break, empty our bladders, and then we are going to get into some polls. So please stick around. We will be right back. X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. New magic store.swordjump.com. Huh? You there, boy. What news? News, sir. New graphic designs over at store.swordjump.com. New graphic designs at store.swordjump.com. That's right, sir. My God. You can get all the designs you want on t-shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases. They've done it. Those sword chomp boys have brought Christmas early. Oi, sir! This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordchomp.com right now. God bless you, son. God bless us, everyone! Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else in between, we are back. Before we get into the polls, I wanted to do a quick reminder. Um, We're going to do a Patreon poll first, that if you've never checked out our Patreon page, please head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp and check out all of our amazing tiers. Um, Right now, we are sitting okay. We want to get some more patrons to be honest with you, because we want to start making some more content. Uh, Rich's podcast that he's currently working on is delving into the history of video games and video gaming, like 
delving way far back in there. He's aiming to try and, you know, just educate the general video game player on where some of the ideas from video gaming come from. Some of the things that we see now in video games, why are they the way that they are? Who are the people that influence that? So on and so forth. He's wanting to make that podcast. Um, We're wanting to do some other awesome educational things in that sphere. Uh, Truth is that in order to to do that, because we are listener funded, that basically we need we need the funds in order to do that. So if you love what we do here, if you're at all interested in supporting that, so we can start bringing more educational kind of content, please head over there and consider subscribing. That'll be it. That's the only plug that I want to do today. Um, you also get access to a lot of cool different features as well, such as a private Instagram page secret polls um you get access to pre-show you get access to skype calls all sorts of cool fun stuff um so head over there and check it out please it would mean the world to us okay so this week's patreon poll comes from and this is written by me of course from me thinking about physical collecting of video games from multiple viewpoints from a ritualistic standpoint from an eco-conscious standpoint from a consumer standpoint, from a prospective standpoint, that was a difficult word to say for some reason, and so on. We have often heard people say that they will only purchase a physical copy of the game. So I asked the patrons, is it important to have a physical copy of a game or gaming merch, and why? And they overwhelmingly voted absolutely. Um, One of our good buddies, Jay Holbro, said, I don't trust digital. You don't technically own the game, just, just the rights. If that game gets pulled from the shop or you aren't online, you can't play them. Physical, I know, I have it, and it's ready to go. Fair point. That's a fair point. Corin Space said, yes, because I want the ability to trade a game in if it sucks. I want to support game stores that give people job opportunities, and I love looking at the collections on shelf. Also, yes, because if a digital store shuts down or the server to access your digital purchase goes away, then you'll lose your title license, which is total bullshit. He said BS, but I, I want to embellish a little bit. Mm-hmm. And of course, our good buddy Tawny said, absolutely, because I was born in the late 80s and grew up on cartoons geared towards me consuming. And now collector's editions and vinyl and limited runs are the only way I can fill the void in my soul. <laughs> so... It's interesting. I, you, know, you know, when I was younger, I really was about physical collecting and that I did not very much enjoy buying digital because you never knew kind of, kind of like what some of the others have said is if you're going to continue to keep the title, you know, um, however, for me being, and this is something we've kind of talked about in the past, being an expat and um wanting to be more eco-conscious i try and not buy games physically anymore um the, the collection would be nice i like staring at collections too they're fun but i like i like having it digitally i like to know i don't add to the plastic usage and consumption uh because not enough producers are considerate of that also it's easier to lug shit around when it's digital you know i don't have to haul 20 video game cases or 20 cartridges or anything like that. I have it all on one system and then I'm good to go, which is really nice. 
Um, and I think that's that this is obviously more applicable to console gaming than PC gaming because PC gaming is, you know, you have it on your PC. And that's that's a different thing entirely. But yeah, I, I, I know you guys are... I know Josh is more about collecting merch than games um, in terms of physical copies. But I know, Rich, you, you'll pretty much collect anything at this point, right? I mean, if, 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 if there's a competition to see who gets the most kidney stones here at Swordchomp, you'd probably be the winner because you're just trying to collect everything. Hmm. I would definitely come in second place man. for that. Tonsil stones fucking suck. Um, I, I kind of come and go on physical copies. Um, as far as which I'm more interested in, um, I do a whole lot more physical copies from like my handheld systems. Um, just because it in historically their their storefronts are just supported way shorter periods of time than the the physical than the like the mainline consoles generally um like sony just recently walked back shutting down the ps3 and vita storefronts um for a while but who knows how long that'll hold um and it's nice having physical copies of those things um that said, a lot of times it's just easier to get a hold of something digital. Uh, for for example, I've been trying to track down Ghost Trick for a long time because it's a game I've loved, but uh, I played on Gamefly back in the day and didn't keep that uh, that cartridge. Um, and now you can't find it for like less than 150 bucks anywhere. It is just a ridiculously hard cartridge to find. Um, however, they finally re-released the iOS version of it again, so you can pick it up for like ten bucks on iPhone. Um, That's nice. Which, yeah, like I'll I'll grab that, even though it's not the optimal way to play the game. It's ten bucks instead of a hundred and fifty for something that. It's it's worth experiencing. Um, it's a whole lot easier to track stuff down that way. That's that's something we've given a lot of shit to, like some of the mobile ports of like Final Fantasy games and stuff, and a lot of them are bad. Correct. But they're really easy ways to get a hold of a lot of those old games, which is still really good for bringing new people into the industry and kind of giving them access at all to a lot of these old games. Like that's just, that's an infinitely easier way to get a hold of a lot of these old games. Whenever they do get mobile releases like that. Um, so like, I'm not, I'm not completely against it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, That's cool. No, it is. I, it is. I, it is. There's. There's a lot of considerations to take into there, there account are. whenever you're making that sort of decision. So, it's true. And as we get older, and we look at all the shit that we end up kind of collecting, it's like 
what can I keep? What can I do away with? You know, when it comes to collecting things, especially yeah. when you get your own house, you start having children. It's it's a big consideration for sure, which is why I was curious how the patrons kind of handle that. So, yeah. fair enough. Okay. So, fair let's get... enough. <laughs> how about no? Let's get into the Instagram polls again um, at Swordchomp every third... No, there you go. Every, uh, I said Japanese, I'm sorry. My brain went straight to, ja- straight to Japanese. Every Tuesday, Monday, sorry, Monday. My brain is fried. Every Tuesday, Monday. Every, every Monday on the Swordchomp Instagram, there will be social media polls. So check those out. Please vote in them. It's really fun to discuss them on the show. I ran my first poll day this week. Um, I'll get a little bit better on the formatting as I go along. But the first questions that I had were, I had did the little scientific sliders. Um, I did Lady Dimitrescu is awesome. And of course, that one was five-sixths of the way full. Next, I did How Great Are Donna and Angie? Um, the second Donna of Benavento. The, f- the Four Horsemen. And her theirs was a little bit less. Um, I did... Creepy Moreau is cool, yeah? And um, that he got the least amount of votes, understandably so. He kind of looks like an uh, abominated uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And then we got Heisenberg. No, the other one is killer. And a lot of people voted for him as well. A lot of people liked him, which is interesting. Um, not the biggest fan of Heisenberg, to be honest with you. I thought he was probably the weakest part of the game, but we'll discuss that in the Chomping After Dark. Uh, not much to discuss there. It's just interesting and not surprising at all that Lady Dimitrescu was the most popular out of them all. Donna Benefiento is... And, you guys are idiots. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, you know what was really funny is... Um, well, don't say that, Rich. Uh, <laughs> you know what was funny I is I was looking... Her. I was looking at some of the uh, ask the people who voted, like the slider results, and there were some like hard zeros to um, Lady Dimitrescu, and I was like, who did this? And it was some <laughs> some of our LGBTQ listeners are like, hell no to Lady Dimitrescu, and it was, was kind of cute. I like that. I like that there was like there were trends that are observable through the voting results like because i've never run a poll day here that i could mm-hmm. actually see that and you can see the trends not ousting them or calling them out or anything like that i'm just saying it's really cool to see those trends sounds like that's what you were doing well you know what rich how would you know you can't I'm, even spell you know, it's wild speculation i'm throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks mm-hmm. you should just like slipped wario in there just, that's what i would have done Everyone can tell I've taken over the Twitter because I post about Wario so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be cooler if you didn't. Um, next one was, I like when Lady Mommy Milker steps on me, which would be, of course, Dimitrescu. And uh, 44% of people, or sorry, not 44% of people, uh, 40% of people said yes. And then 60% of people said, crush me, baby. I mean, how can you deny the internet is horny for Lady Dimitrescu? So I just swerved right into that. Seems that way. Yeah. Um, this question was a little bit more interesting. For those who beat Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil uh, Village, are you satisfied with the ending? 
72% of people said yes, and 28% of people said no. Um, why do you guys think, it, without, if you can, not delving in, in, into spoilers, why people wouldn't be satisfied with that ending? I cannot say without spoiling it, because there's one very specific reason. <laughs> yeah. Might just be that's too over the top, maybe. Well then, listen, man. There's um, you, you came to the wrong series if you didn't want over the top. I, I, right. we, you kind of mentioned this before, with the whole you know, zero dark thirty bit. Yeah, there's there's a section again, kind of like four, where you switch characters. But unlike in four, where you're all of a sudden playing as a character with no weapons or anything. That part is its own other section earlier on, and so instead you're playing as like a completely overpowered, just beast who gets healing stuff and infinite ammo. Yeah. Well, not infinite ammo, but all but infinite ammo. Going into that, and it's. Just, I think it's a fun, brief power trip. It that doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, I don't know. I just I didn't really enjoy that section. I thought it was just kind of meh. Like I hmm. I got what they're going for, but like it was not. Yeah. I, oh, I like, wasn't having yeah. a ton of, like, that part isn't the part that stand out to me that's like, this is so great, like, I was glad, I'm like, for a minute, I thought the rest of the game was gonna be like that, and I was happy when it was not. I yeah. would've liked the ending less if it had just been that the rest of the way through, is what I'll say. Yeah, no, that's true. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised, I mean, it's not that high of a number, I guess, but I was surprised that that high of a percentage were displeased with the ending because i never really took it too seriously but yeah fair enough uh this was probably my favorite question to ask um and some some people messaged me about this to kind of inform me that we are getting a new one but i still wanted to ask it anyways i said with the success of resident evil 7 and resident evil 8 it leaves me to wonder if you could get a new installment in one of these franchises which would you choose uh, Dead Space or Bioshock? And uh, some fans informed me, obviously, that we we're going to be getting a new Bioshock um, at some point. Yep. But uh, still, you know, obviously, I just wanted to know the general consensus. Sixty-three percent of people said Dead Space. They want a new Dead Space, and thirty-seven percent said they want a new Bioshock, which surprised the yeah. hell out of me. No, that sounds about right. Like they've already done. Well, no, I guess they've only really done far right ideologies. They've done, they've done, you know, conservatism and uh, libertarianism for the two things. So their next one would have to be communism or or liberalism for I'm their stoked. for their, you know, societies that have somehow completely right. failed somehow. Right, right. And I, less, do like less, these I don't think the average person is considering that, Josh. <laughs> to be honest with mm -hmm. you, I think that's something. I doubt they are either, but like, it's like, I just, I, I don't know. I'm less interested in what that series has going forward. Unless they veer sharp into the whole Dark Tower bullshit that they pull at the end of Infinite. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, no, we're just totally in the Dark or, Tower universe now. Deal with or it. We go, or we go back to Rapture. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, again, I always attribute the Dark Tower bullshit thing to Ken Levine shooting his own franchise in the foot on the way 
out the door of being like, I'm not going to let you guys ruin it. I'm going to ruin it first. (laughs) (laughs) um, That's kind of what I've always attributed it to because there are things I like about Infinite, but that is the thing I probably like the least. Um, I would love to go back to Bioshock, but I don't don't know what that would be. I, I guess, weirdly enough, I'd be a little more hopeful for Dead Space, even though I fucking hate Dead Space 3. Yeah. I I think I think both franchises have a lot left in the tank if given the right direction to the right team absolutely yeah done by the right pair of hands or pairs of hands so totally absolutely 100% agree with that yeah and I wanted to do a quick shout out to D Spilker 94 on Reddit he let me use his awesome photo that he made years ago uh blending BioShock and Dead Space together in one graphic so thank you very much for letting me use that um Revive the canceled PS Vita Bioshock Tactics RPG. Sure. And um, <laughs> the last thing, it was less of a poll. I, I wanted to try something. So people have been asking me privately and on the Sorchomp Instagram when BioBreak was going to return, why it hasn't returned, so on and so forth. So I was like, you know what? You want it, you got it. So uh, I read an article this week, this past week, um, it was a recently released study that details how humans using fire, um, how they have changed ecosystems over time, dating back to 90,000 plus years. Lush, tightly packed forests developed into more sprawling habitats with more brush and shrub um, as a result of fire being used by humans. That has led the scientists to conclude that humans burns. were ecosystem engineers for quite a long time. And for anyone who doesn't know what an ecosystem engineer is, I detailed that. It's basically an organism that affects a habitat in a way that it has an effect on a number of species and the kinds of species in said habitat. So a great example of an ecosystem engineer is a beaver, which can have positive effects on species numbers and kinds of species when they dam streams. So I know a lot of people get frustrated when beavers dam streams, but it has a lot of positive impacts it's actually something i studied at university i won't bore you with the details but beavers do a lot of good things for the ecosystem by damming uh streams and rivers obviously there's some negative effects as well um according to humans but that was the bio break of the week uh i wanted to try and do that um integrate that into the poll of the week or the the weekly polls it might be uh, it might be something that I do in a different format in the future. I'm going to try and play around with that a little bit because I do want the bio break to come back. And Josh typed into the chat, who doesn't like a good beaver? God damn it, you're right, Josh. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? But uh, that's going to do it for the... It's going to do it for the polls again. If you want to participate in that, now that I, <laughs> my brain's a little bit firing more uh every monday on the sword Chomp instagram and if you want to be a part of the patreon poll you know where to go uh for that so i think that's gonna be pretty much it guys i think that's gonna pretty much round up the wow. show have i forgotten anything no i think you got it man i think you nailed it yeah. i think you did great thanks thank you i think you guys did great and uh, just a couple, uh, just couple quick reminders on everything back into the show. You know how it goes. Um, if the, Again, if this is your first time being here or you haven't been subscribed for a while, please head over to wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit the subscribe button, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, uh, whether it's Google um, Podcasts, wherever you check out our show, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, it would be awesome. 
Also, like I said about Patreon, just head over there if you are interested at all in supporting us. We have a lot of upcoming content that we want to make. We, uh, we, we need the funds to, to be straight with you and uh, to be able to make that content. And your, your dollar helps us as we are a strictly listener-supported podcast. So, uh, also, if you want to head out to, if you want, or if you want to head over to the site, uh, we have a lot of stuff there. Rich does editorials. Um, his most recent one he did on Resident Evil Eight. It's a great read. Check it out. Um, Rich used to work for Destructoid, so he has some writing prowess, and he in, tries to inform you on whether or not you should purchase a game or you should wait for it on a sale or, you know, just skip over it for now so some information there for you and if you want to rep any merch head to repbubble.com slash people slash sword chomp where we have a bunch of cool merch up there a lot of logos and we have a sweet merch idea from miss bernadette connery um who's also a patron of ours she designed this awesome shirt go ahead and head over there check it out if you want to purchase anything send us a picture and we'll feature you on sword chomp um, Instagram and Twitter and on the site. We want to show off you and your amazing duds. Um, threads, your swag, whatever you want to call it. But that's going to do it here. Um, thank you so much for being you, for being awesome, for giving us um, your time to listen to us. That is amazing that you do that. And we seriously appreciate it every week. Um, I want to thank rich from new york and josh from michigan for being here and talking video games with me being their awesome selves uh i was your host shay and we will be back next week with another episode of the chomp cast thank you everyone love you guys and be well